It's Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, hot-melted plastic, custom orders... Use a code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota, the humblest of pillow farmers, Mike Lindell and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family, is blessing us all with a BOGO right now. My pillows, my slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. Buy one, get one free. Save up to 66% off when you enter promo code STEAK at checkout. Head over to the website, mypillow.com forward slash STEAK. You can call and talk to a qualified pillow representative at 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things related. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're uh, gaming, potting, need Nelly, oh, you can get all those ear gears taken care of down at odyssey.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies. He's got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger, and you can hit him up via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, Backs the Blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. When they're off-duty, they're probably wearing some gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last, but certainly not least, the gold standard tactical flare. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Can be found at Dumpbox. They've got some amazing flags, patches, stickers, you name it. Mark Joe Friday's got it. Dumpbox.us is the website. You can find them on Instagram, and you can find them on Facebook as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. Or check us out on the website at steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. There you'll find the link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, our newest Substack, the Telegram, and more. And on that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now, True Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 131. I'm Rowan. Noah's here. Yo. We're going to have Krista Hilton joining us a little bit later to do the news. We're also going to be sitting down with Luna Lopez and Jim Bognett, two America First candidates in America First interviews. Antoinette's looking to be back. 
by the end of the week. But before we get into anything else, let's jump into a little bit of the news. How's it going, Noah? Well, here we are. And here's time and space <laughs> and the things that bring us together. Oh, espace. Listen, we got a little bit of breaking news that happened overnight. I don't know if you heard it. I'm, I'm hoping you at least caught a snippet, but let's jump right into it. I caught nothing. All right, we begin with news just breaking right now at this minute, and we we start with a Fox News alert. Boomer now, Sweat according alert. According to a breaking new report from Politico, the U.S. Supreme Court has, in fact, voted to overturn Roe versus Wade. If this report turns out to be true, abortion will now be regulated at the state level, uh, meaning it is not going to be illegal probably in most states in the United States. There'll be varying restrictions. Uh, one of the biggest issues involving this case has to do with whether or not whether or not Roe v. Wade, and this is what conservatives have often believed, uh, constitutionalists have believed, originalists have believed, is that it enumerated a right that did not exist within the Constitution. What's interesting about this is the draft opinion, unflinching repudiation of the 73 decision guaranteeing a federal uh, constitutional protection on abortion rights, uh, as they report in, in Politico, uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey that largely maintain that right. Uh, if this report is true, Justice Alito writes, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, and we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled, he writes in the document labeled, quote, opinion of the court. Uh, it is time to heed the Constitution, return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. That's where the issue of judicial philosophy comes into play. Do you enumerate a right not specifically spelled out in the Constitution, or should it be up to the states, which is what conservatives have always argued? Mm. What do you think about that, Noah? Pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, on the level of uh, distraction. Yeah. So some of the things that are unprecedented. Okay, so they haven't officially issued a ruling on this as of last night. Which so this was like leaked. It was leaked. So and basically this is just a publicity stunt to make the midterms about abortion instead of all the other egregious shit that's been going on. Exactly. And, and, and everyone who's anyone who listens to Steak for Breakfast knows ending Roe v. Wade would essentially end the federal protections for abortion rights. However... It all it does is it kicks the laws back to the states, and you can Google or do an internet search on anything to try to find the maps where abortion is allowed and not. And there are quite a few states still where it would be legal afterwards. They're just making it like a huge virtue single. Yeah. So th there's a clerker who's working for Justice Sotomayor right now. A clerker. Clerker. That's a thing. Could be. Clerk. I'm calling it. Well, we're looking at new T-shirt opportunities. Clerkish. There you go. Um, this person's name is Amit. Jane, he clerks for Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor. As a Yale student, mm. he blasted support for Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. He was quoted in a 2017 political op-ed piece by Josh Gerstein, and today he published the draft on the SCOTUS opinion versus, or on Roe. So there's your leaker. Mm. Yes, yeah, a Sotomayor staffer who's doing everything he can to uh, save the republic. So that's saying that she wrote it? Uh, no. The draft? He leaked Justice uh, Alito's. Opinion. Oh, Alito. Got yeah, it. Got Justin, it got Justice Alito's opinion on it, which was probably circulating within the halls of the Supreme Court. But um, well, that Kavanaugh thing—they were like trying to break the doors down after that happened. Sure were. 
So yeah, it's it, it's kind of erupted into the news cycle. We've we've seen a statement from Justice uh, John Roberts today, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. I'm going to read it now. It said yesterday, a news organization they're talking about Politico published a copy of the draft on an opinion in an appending case. Justice circulate the draft opinions internally and as a routine and a central part of the court's confidential deliberative work. Although the document described in yesterday's reports is authentic, it does not represent a decision by the Supreme Court as final of any member of the issuance of the case. And then it goes on to say, to the extent of the betrayal of the confidences that the court was intended to undermine the integrity of our operations, it will not succeed. The work of the court will not be affected by this leak in any way. We we at the court are a blessed workforce. Permanent companies and law clerks alike Immense loyal to the institution and dedicated rule of law. Court employees will have exemplary and important tradition of respecting the confidentiality of the judicial process and upholding the trust of the court. This was a single and egregious breach that trust that is an affront to the court and the community of public service who work here. I have directed the marshal of the courts to launch an internal investigation as to the source of the leak. Hmm. And that's from John Roberts this morning as this broke late last night on the East Coast and uh, spun into the news cycle overnight. So if this wasn't leaked, when was it going to be public knowledge? Soon. Like how soon? Well, I mean... Just if, now? If there are... Well, what about now? <laughs> no, we've just passed that. Uh, we've already <clears throat> used that one at the end of the show, too. Oh, nice try. Damn it. Um, but we are surrounded by assholes. Yes. So it, it's one of those things where if there are already having the opinions on the case circulated internally, you can only imagine maybe by the end of this week that it would have probably been announced. But, uh, yeah, this is just a huge sad knock on our system and the society and the administrative state about how much they control and how. And, uh, you know, looking at it, it's just a huge intimidation factor, like Noah just alluded to, to take distraction off of everything else that's on fire in the midterm elections. Well, it's everything... Everything they've done to try to distract has failed, too. So, I mean, I mean, is this their big ace in the hole? Like, this one's going to get people really fired up. I just don't think so. It doesn't resonate. No, I don't think so either. But, I mean, is that is that the mentality? That has to be it. So, in an internal poll, or I'm sorry, in a, in a, in a news poll that I saw that broke overnight, long story short, I don't know what the exact category is. 64% this is not a huge issue for them because they understand how the actual legal process works and and what the options for abortion will still be. This is just like the so-called federal protections, et cetera. Joe Biden weighed in before he got on a plane this morning briefly. I want to touch on that with him. Basic mainstream religions have historically concluded that the right, that the existence of a human life and being is a question. Is it at the moment of conception? Is it six months? Is it six weeks? Is it, is it quickening like Aquinas argued? I mean... So the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think goes way overboard. Thank you. What does this mean for the midterms? What does this mean for the Democrats' argument in the midterms? I haven't thought that through yet. Mm. So his his, uh, handler... She freaking jumped the gun because there was one more question they were going to allow. Is that what just happened? He turned okay, halfway. Okay, everybody. Yeah, he turned halfway and walked away, but I guess he thought it wasn't. He didn't have to think enough about it. He said he didn't know how much of effect this was going to be or what he's thinking on the midterms. One of the big issues, though, is 
this gives the Dem a little bit of more of a play. Not like they're going to have power to do it moving forward unless it's done via executive order, and I don't know what the legalities of are that. We could talk to Amir Benno with it on the 13th of May. Um, pack in the Supreme Court. Because if, if on a 5-4 vote they can overturn Roe v. Wade, you know, they're going to make it seem like, oh, what else can they overturn? You know, next thing you know, they're going to like, you know... T- Slavery will be allowed back, and all this. No, <laughs> that be a, that would be a Democrat move. It sure would, <laughs> and you know, uh, it's something that we're going to keep a track on because uh, it's a it's a breaking story. It just happened overnight. It's Tuesday morning, and by our Friday show, we ha- we should have a little bit more of a clearer picture of just about where we're at with uh, everything that's going on with this. Maybe even an official ruling. So we're going to take it and kind of leave it right there. We've got a lot of other news to get to today, but before we get to any of that, we're about to jump in with our first guest. She's an America First constitutional candidate who's running to represent the newly redistricted Florida Five, Luna Lopez, and has her audio keys up. All right, joining us first on the show today, she is a congressional candidate running in Florida's 4th District, a big America First campaign. First time on the show, Miss Luna Lopez. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, ma'am. How's everything going with you? It's good. It's good. I'm excited to, you know, launch my campaign. I'm pretty sure uh, with the start of that, everything's been busy. How's the campaign trail been treating you thus far? You know, it's I decided to start early last year, making making rounds and knocking on doors because I knew I needed uh, I didn't have name recognition as, you know, and not being a career politician. Um, And it's been really interesting. It's been kind of I don't know, bloody, I guess it's like a big no, no to take, you know, to challenge uh, someone from your own party. So, um, you know, it's, it's actually been more beneficial not having the party support because I'm doing this like on my own completely, like I'm earning my stripes and, you know, the people I've learned really craving um, someone with no strings attached to all these three letter groups, because we can't answer to the people we have to answer to, to these groups. So, you know, there's a lot more work involved though, when you are, you know, challenging an incumbent. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be a recurring theme with a lot of these, uh, incumbent, well, you call them mm-hmm. from the same party, but are they really at the end of the day, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Like who you're running against and just exactly what the, uh, difference in your platforms are right now that you're bringing to the table. Yeah, so I decided that I was going to challenge John Rutherford here in Florida. So it's the new maps uh, passed. So this is now the new five. Uh, used to be four. So it's like the northeast corner of Florida, you know, the east side of Jacksonville, St. John's County, a little bit of the east side of Duval County. So, um, yeah, he is – I decided to do this because – with everything that we have going on, not to, to, to beat a dead horse, I and mean, we all know all the crazy stuff going on, um, he just is so quiet and really doesn't show a desire to go to battle. And so I started going to some of his events, and I would hear him say literally, you know, well, you know, there's not much I can do about that. The Democrats have so much control. And when I heard that, I was just like, that was like a slap in in my face as somebody who, you know, you put your trust in these representatives to listen to your voice and represent you. And it just seems like he's doing what he wants. And what he wants is to go up there, collect a retirement check, play nice, you know, with everybody he's rubbing elbows with. And then, you know, when he's satisfied, 
leave. He's he's very skillful at making sure that he kind of says certain things to keep the MAGA vote or the Trump vote, you know, but I don't really feel like he is really an America first type type person. I don't really feel that he cares at all. So, you know, I said, I'm done with anybody, especially Republicans that are just going to go play patty cake up on the hill with with these people that are destroying our lives, especially the socialists. And I said, you know, I'm I, I, I can be kind of a scrappy person. So I said, you know, I might as well take a con and turn it into a pro and, you know, put on my boxing gloves and protect our kids from all the the garbage that's going on and our, and our way of life here as Americans, you know, poverty is like becoming one of the, you know, rampant in, in areas and, and, and we don't have anybody fighting for, you know, the, the, the true minority, which has nothing to do with color. You know, it's the elites that are protected. Yeah. You know, we, we do see that a lot. People who are just enough MAGA to get out there and, and say the party line, talking mm-hmm. points and then not tow it when it comes to votes, uh, mm-hmm. when, it, when it, when it comes to fighting back against proposed legislation, which we've seen some of the true warriors up on Capitol Hill since the Biden administration took over. I mean, there's mm-hmm. definitely, there's definitely a fine line drawn now between the establishment and the, uh, America first agenda, uh, you know, politicians up there. And, and it's just, it, it's kind of eye opening to see how many people may not have been representing you and they've been elected officials for, for some, in some cases, decades. And, Correct. uh, you know, it's good to see, you know, like you said, put on the boxing gloves and get in the ring because, uh, we need all the fighters in there right now. And, uh, how has it been received in the communities that you're in? I mean, I'm sure someone who's actually going to go out and say how they're going to tow the party lines is probably a breath of fresh air to the voters. Yeah, of course it is. You know, I think what they recognize with me is that when you don't believe in the two party system anyway, you just believe in the Constitution, there is no line to toe. It's very simple. Whatever threatens your liberty is what you uh, defend the people against, period. And I think one of the problems we have is, you know, big business controls our government. And when that is occurring, our liberty is completely threatened. We saw it happen with Pfizer. We see what's happening with Disney. You know, one of the biggest psychological attacks I've I've ever, I'm 36 years old, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And, you know, they're pulling out all the stops. So when you realize that the true, you know, we've we've been victims of of brainwash for so long. When you realize that we truly freedom here is an illusion when you wake up to that the fight comes out and there is no line to toe because government has no business telling us how to live our life. The only business they have is keeping big corporations from keeping them in check, keeping us safe and keeping us, you know, educated and healthy properly. So, you know, anything more than that, the government needs to just get out of our way and let her live our lives. You know, that's what it means to be an American. No, you make a lot of sense there. We've seen a lot of the stuff in Florida, which has kind of been like the flashpoint of the nation, everything from what's kind of started with COVID and then went post-Trump administration into the Biden administration and how the pushback came from there. They were going to mm-hmm. stay open. They were going to stay free. They weren't going to mandate stuff, even though, you know, there are districts that are, that are blue that, that were going to do their things to kind of a virtue single. But overall, the support that came from the very top with Ron DeSantis uh, trickled mm-hmm. all the way down to all the patriots and the rest of the state. And then you kind of turn that back into keeping the economy strong. And then you had, yep. the, you know, the pushback against Disney and the stuff pushing back against critical race theory. It seems like Florida's really been at the forefront. And anyone who's looking to get on the, you know, the train there and represent the America First nationalist populist movement up in, in the Beltway is going to have to really uh, 
think about what they want before they get into one of these races and really adopt those principles moving forward. And it's hard work realizing that you have to live up to what you say uh, you believe. And that's kind of the spirit here in Florida. What How, how we've been able to accomplish this is because fortunately we have a, a governor who really actually listens to the people and on all the way down to the local level. I mean, regular moms, dads, um, just the people. We make time in our week to support each other and go to all these important meetings, go to the schools, go to the um, city halls, go to the Capitol and, and, and voice our opinion. And it's not that we stop there. We hold them accountable. If we have to pester them, we're gonna be there. So as America First candidates across the country, this is the energy you're going to have to have the whole time you're in office to rectify everything. Yeah, you, you mentioned against fighting back against big business and then the indoctrination of the children, which are two of the big, um, you know, crucial uh, items on the agenda in this midterm election. What are some of the other things right now that are affecting the people in Florida Five that you're really trying to bring to the table? Oh, gosh. Well, the problem with the border, you know, is a, is a huge issue. Um, you know, I have very, very strong standpoints on that. I ha- my mother is a- an immigrant from Trinidad. She came here legally um, for the same reason that everybody else is uh, coming here. And, you know, I saw the hard work that my family put in and, you know, I respect um, what happens to a natural born citizen when you have someone that comes and play games the system and, you know, the load that it puts on on the economy. So. I have no problem with legal uh, immigration, but it has to be done the right way. And I just have a very hard line with, um, you know, all of this refuge, you know, what they use to to come in, you know, that needs to be very hard lines there. And uh, the crime that comes of it, you know, Trump was right when they said, you know, they're not sending their best. Of course, they're not sending their best. You know, why would why would they, they they make it so easy to come in here? You know, why would they send the why would a socialist poor country send the best that they have? You know, <laughs> that makes no sense. So we're, we're dealing with with the crime from that. And, um, you know, we're also kind of dealing with the influx. This isn't totally tied to what you asked, but the influx of of people moving here from Democrat states. Sure. So that thinking as well is kind of an issue depending on where you are because they kind of want to bring their what they're used to here and we aren't going to move we aren't going to budge with those kinds of things um medical freedom is a huge thing down here too we have a lot of people that really believe in that and i want to make sure that i make that a reality for them um you know our economy here in this district is is really good we have a lot of wealthy actually here. So protecting small businesses is another um, huge standpoint because, again, overreach of government would be a huge problem, you know, f- for people that want to live the American dream, be wealthy, have their own business, not be told what, <laughs> you know, what they can and can't do. Yeah, it seems like there's been such an attack on the middle class over the last couple of decades that one of the problems that they were able to find a solution for was the COVID lockdowns, which essentially, you know, if you are a legitimate small business, a mom and pop family owned, uh, it was going to be really hard over the course of a year, maybe even a year and a half, let's say in a different state 
to, uh, you know, keep your business alive, even if it's shuttered because of just, you know, the mortgage, the insurance, and then you never know when you're going to open, what context you were going to open in, what to order, who to hire, and then just trying to get back to normal. So it's definitely good to see that Florida held the line in a lot of those instances. And and when you talk about people that are coming from out of state to live in Florida, it's got to be a difficult task to kind of uh, keep it as red as it really is, not as real, you know, not as purple as the television tries to make it out to seem because, uh, it is definitely a red state, and but they are trying to incorporate a lot of the stuff from outside the borders of Florida, not just illegal immigration, but people moving there. <laughs> I just don't know why if you ruin your state, you're going to go to another one and then ruin that one next. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what I'm thinking. You came here because of all the benefits, because we're free, because we're open, because you can make money here. The housing market is booming, and yet you want to just bring the same thinking I don't know. It's like programmed, parroted words that come out of their mouth. You know, they, they came here for the freedom, but they don't know how to just can submit to it, you know, and where the, the problem comes in is they bring their kids into the school and then those kids are talking to your children. So, you know, back a year ago, even before all of this really started getting heavy with people moving down here, you know, the schools is what really made me have the most motivation to start running before it became popular. I saw the writing on the wall. So I kind of spearheaded the, 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 the school, uh, the battle against the schools down here. But, you know, I'm glad that, that we picked up traction with that early because we have parents now that are armed and ready for how to speak to their kids. Uh, when these kids are, are coming home, being told not just by the teachers, but their peers, you know, this way overly left mindset that they bring from, you know, California, York, and, you know, Oregon and all those kind of places. So, you know, the schools is probably honestly the top priority for anybody. Sure. Country because every problem we have going on um, socially and um, uh, academically is really the root of why we have people latching on to this socialist ideology. It's because the schools have been putting this in their 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 brain for a long time. And when you when you teach them to look positively or favorably at a socialist system and they're graduating high school, you know, across the nation, the 12th average 12th grader is reading at an eighth grade level. So when you're coming out of high school ill-equipped Okay, already thinking favorably of socialism, you have a brain that's going to readily accept, you know, um, what they think is free education or, you know, whatever, what benefits that they think come of of socialism, which ends up destroying, you know, obviously the the, the capitalist movement. So they're working on the, the, the kids to to, you know, so I knew early on, we got to stop this, you know, we need smart critical thinkers who can read, who can do math effectively, who can understand. If they can't teach the material in 12th grade, then they shouldn't graduate. You know, there's no child left behind um, that happened with, I think it was, I think it was Bush. Was it, I think it was Bush. It was a disaster. Yeah, It was a disaster. And that was by design. So the educational system needs to be completely revamped. The, the government does not need to be in charge of it, doesn't need to be funding it. Um, the parents need to be able to have a lot more access to control over the material. 
and input into the material. Schools need to have a system set up where there is a parent, not just a PTA, but um, a, a parent like board, you know, that works with the school board, you know. Yeah, it seemed like a set curriculum approved mm-hmm. approved by the people who are going to be running the school and the parents. And then, you know, that we don't have some weird teacher just like throwing in his <laughs> pronouns. Yeah. Now I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a campaign manager yet, even though we have been tapped for advice here or there, but more critical thinkers and less critical race theory seems mm. like a good campaign platform. Well, to, critical thinking isn't moving forward. Critical thinking isn't something that people do anymore. No, it's, it's just, you know, what does it say on TV? My rehearsed, uh, answers that, I've been given by the talking heads and the Ministry of Truth, and here we are. Oh, Ministry of Truth, I like that. Not to be spoon-fed. It's easy. Um, When you have the dawn of the smartphone and you're connected to the internet virtually everywhere you go, nobody is investigating anything anymore like we used to before we had that access to the internet instantaneously. You had to investigate. You had to sift through information and decide what was credible and what was not credible. You had to find where the contradictions were so you could identify the truth. And now people don't have that ability to do that. And when you are so willing to be spoon-fed, you will eat anything. So we need to train people to to reject things more. We need to train them to acknowledge that little voice that says, hey, this doesn't make sense, and not be afraid of speaking up and being afraid of the shunning that comes with it. It's very much a cult uh, mentality that has sweeped this nation designed by the left that we must destroy and we must wake people up. And unfortunately, since we can't do a 1776 style takeover of the government, which we definitely wish we could, <laughs> uh, we, we have to do it figuratively through legislation. But protecting our psychological mind right now is probably the thing that I hear being talked about the least. Oh, you make an excellent point there. And I think that uh, it's one that's definitely moving to the forefront of a lot of people's campaigns. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's just awareness of all the things that have been going on. A lot of more people understanding legislation and stuff that's going on behind the scenes in regards to everything from, you know, just general policies and, and, and standard practices all the way down to, you know, the curriculum that goes to being taught to their children in the classroom. And I think, this is such a weird race. I, I've been involved in politics for, for a long time as, as a casual fan, more, you know, intrusive yeah. s- since the rise of, uh, you know, the America First movement. But now we're at yep. a point to where you you never used to hear, like, you're just a few years younger than me. Growing up, you would never hear about House candidates on, like, national news stories or sitting in, right. in segments before elections and stuff like that. And, and yep. unless it was, like, generally locally to your geographical area, they wouldn't be jumping on, on nationally and internationally syndicated talk shows. So it's really interesting yep. to see the pulse of the nation right now wants to know what's going on, not only in just the general elections with the bigger candidates, the senators, the governors, and the president. They want to know who's going down in the House of Representatives and, and what's going on with those over 400 members down there in almost each district across the country. So it's really great to see. Luna, what are some of the things that are coming up on the campaign trail for you? Are you guys going to have any kind of debate or forums or, or town halls or anything like that? It's getting close to barnstorming season here with you guys have... I know you guys' primary is in August 23rd, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be heating up for you now as, like, polls are starting to open up across the nation already. Yeah, so I've actually challenged him to a debate. (laughs) I'm too insignificant for him to take me up on that offer, he says. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so 
Um, we're, we're working on some things. Like I said, we got to officially do a launch um, soon. And, you know, if you want to stay in touch with, with those kind of events, my, actually, my social media is very active. That's, that's kind of the soft campaigning I've been doing beforehand. Um, but so you can stay in touch with me there on all the platforms. If you type at real Luna Lopez, you'll find me. I'm very responsive. I love, you know, getting in, I don't, I don't want to say debates, but conversations with, with constituents there, because one of our main things is we're supposed to be accessible to our constituents. And that's something we have not had the pleasure of having, unless you are elite here. Um, and my website is Luna Lopez for Congress.com where I will keep my, uh, calendar updated as the events start really kicking up um but you know uh, i have a great team who has been helping me uh complete volunteer for an entire year and we're really ready to start ramping things up so you guys have had a pretty decent rollout right now and uh yeah we will definitely be looking to having you back at some point in the near future up to and uh, even after the primary when hopefully you're the candidate that's going to be representing the newly redrawn district five in the great state of Florida for the U.S. House of Representatives. Ms. Luna Lopez, thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. You take care. All right, it was good catching up with uh, Luna Lopez there, getting to meet her for the first time and hearing all about the great things she's got going on down in Florida 5. Hoping to see uh, her campaign really pick up as she's getting ready to hit the road and get out there and get her message out. Good start of uh, promoting on Steak for Breakfast today. Um, Someone else who was getting promoted over the weekend was uh, Charles Herbster. He is the gubernatorial candidate running in Nebraska. Donald Trump was there at the uh, raceway in Greenwood. Save America rally. Big crowd. Daytime event. Lots of great stuff going on there. We're going to jump right into the audio and uh, hear the 45th president of the United States weighing in. I have been under investigation for longer periods of time and vicious. I mean, in New York State, I have this woman. She's a total racist and horrible woman. And I have been under investigation from the day I came down the escalator with our great first lady. And and I say it loud and clear. I've had more investigations than Jesse James, Billy the Cook. Billy the Kid and the legendary Alphonse Capone. You know Al Capone? (laughs) What he had to go through was peanuts. And think of it, five years of this crap, and they got nothing. You know why? Millions and millions of pages of stuff. Nothing. How many? Nothing. They would have done it in two seconds. And it's so bad. It's so dead. They've weaponized all of that. And it's really, uh, really amazing. But... We're essentially, when you think of that New York Times quote, we're essentially like family. I protect you and you protect me. That's what's happened. You know, uh, it's pretty funny that those investigations from the racist, radically progressive DA in upstate New York have uh, the time to bring charges across have vanished last Friday. So another nothing burger, even though. Trump and his entire family is going to jail, or that's what they like to say up until the time passes. When of they're, course. They're allowed to prosecute. Um, he would stay in the same thread and talk about some of the other uh, fake news stories. They asked me about two years when they had all the different hoaxes that came up. Russia, Russia, Russia. Turned out to be a fake <laughs> story. Think of it. It's a fake story. And they have it now as a fake. And people are being indicted all over the place. They made up the story. I kept saying, people would say to me during the campaign, sir, uh, 
Do you know anything about Russia? I'd say no, not much. Why? Well, I don't know. There's a lot of rumors going. Dave Bossy would come up. Sir, uh, do you know anything about Russia? And this is during the campaign, right? And I'd say, uh, I mean, yeah, I can tell you where it is, Dave. I don't know too much about it. You know, I thought it was just an innocent question. But after you get asked a question like seven times and young people would come up, Matt Schlapp called me, asked me a question. Sir, what do you know about Russia? I'm saying, what the hell is going on with Russia? It was a fake story that was put out there and this wouldn't go away. We wasted two years on that fake story. And now we caught them and we caught them in the act. And they should pay a price for that. It's a terrible thing. You know, he when he got into like the fake news, CNN and the MSDNC, he also referenced something new this week. I wish I would have cut the audio for it. I just couldn't get through the whole rally yesterday. The fake news teleprompter that he barely even uses. That's what he referenced it as. <laughs> like I even got this fake news teleprompter here. I don't even use it at these things. Um, the stuff that's going on with, with the whole transgender movement is uh, one of the biggest topics, even though Donald Trump's kind of mind blown about it heading into the midterm elections. We don't really see it as that, but it's just one of those things that keep coming up regardless. Right. Um, he, he, I still think he should have identified as a female and been the first female uh, president. Mm. <laughs> he did touch on his least favorite basketball player and kind of parlayed it into the whole transgender theme that seems to be going around right now. Let's hear it. Tell you what, I hate to say this to women, and I don't want to disrespect you, and it's a horrible thing, and the fake news will say, what a horrible thing. Look, they're all standing there. Oh, finally, we're waiting. They're waiting for a tidbit. <laughs> but if I were a basketball coach, I would have five men on my team, I swear to you, because I want to win. I'll get the toughest, tallest, strongest men in history that want to go into the women's sphere. And I will have the greatest basketball team in the history of our world. I'll say to LeBron James, who I don't like very much, I'll ah. say, LeBron, did you ever have thoughts of going woman? Because if you did, I'd like to have you on my basketball team. It's true. It's true. Okay. What would his name be? LeBrona? Listen, only he could do it so elegantly. You, you can't get much more uh, comedy infused into a Save America rally than with the 45th president of the United States. He then to take a little bit more of a serious tone and, and began taking hits at the uh, Democrat Party because this is midterm election season. We've got primaries heating up, ones that have already started, ones that have already happened. Um Arizona, I believe, is uh, coming up soon. So is Ohio and Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, all of our big ones. Uh, he, he slammed into the Democrat Party to get things started talking about that. Record-setting crime is taking place with shootings and stabbings far more than COVID. In Chicago, as an example, there have been 44 people murdered and 168 people brutally shot. Many of them never will recover compared to 87 deaths for COVID. In the last four weeks, can you believe that? Four weeks. Democrats are the party of crime, chaos, and death. Republicans are the part. And I think this is pretty well acknowledged. 
Republicans are the party of law, order, and life. Ooh, teaser we must elect strong, tough, America first Republicans at every single level. Hey, Noah, did you hear those uh, crime statistics he put out there? So just in case you miss it, and for our listening audience who may have as well, in the past two weekends in the great city of Pennsylvania or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 75 people have been shot. 75. 75 in the past two weekends. I believe 15 have been murdered. Is there any special events going on? Is there a shoot-a-thon? Seems to be normal. Um, 87 people in the same time have died supposedly of COVID, and I'm air quoting. Mm. So there's your death rates there. Philadelphia is on pace to eclipse for, I believe, the second or third year in a row, 500 um, gun-related homicides this year. Nice. Delicious. Is that uh, how, How does that match up to Chicago, I wonder? Oh, their numbers are bigger and better than ever before. Before. Midterm elections is one of the biggest priorities of the Save America rallies, and he was there talking about the Republicans taking Congress. Let's hear it. One of our most urgent priorities when Republicans retake Congress must be to end the nightmare on the southern border where our country is being poisoned, weakened, and permanently stained. Mm. Every day, Biden's open border agenda is getting innocent Americans absolutely slaughtered. Just weeks ago, an illegal alien was charged with savagely murdering a married couple in the prime of their life for no reason whatsoever. They were riding their bikes near their home in Daytona Beach, Florida. He stabbed them repeatedly, mutilated them, and dumped them in a field. Horrible thing. You saw this story, a big story, happening all over the country in what was described as one of the most brutal murders the police had ever seen. One of the policemen, I saw him on television, he said, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've seen horrible, horrible murders. I've never seen anything like this. Mm. Seems to be becoming more commonplace. What do you think? Yeah, it's just, I mean... It's apparent that this stuff is only going to get worse as long as we keep running these places the way we're running them and slap on the hand for crime if you shoplift less than X amount of money. I've seen a couple of Walgreens in San Francisco get emptied out over the last week or so on social media. Well, a lot of those places, uh, what was it, CVS or something like that, they actually closed down locations. Five locations in the greater San Francisco area. Weird. Pretty weird. A lot of uh, loss prevention going on there. Where are you going to buy your lube now? <laughs> I'm sure if you really wanted the Astroglide, you could find it. Speaking of things that are coming across lube-free, mm. we'll stay on the thread of the southwest border, and let's hear Trump kind of elaborate on it. We created the safest border in U.S. history. It was the best ever, and they have turned it into the worst Border disaster. I don't think anywhere in the world you can go to a third world country. I don't think you'd see anything like it in the world. No matter who it is, there's never been a border like this anywhere. People just coming in by the millions. And don't believe when you hear one million, two million, it'll be 10 or 15 million by the time that ends. And we're talking about it a short period of time. They're coming over at levels that nobody's ever seen before. We have no idea who the hell they are, where they're coming from. You know, uh, he is one of the only people to 
nearly accurately report the numbers on a regular basis. You know, mm-hmm. he, he had said 4 million when everybody was saying 1 to 2. He had stayed in the thread of kind of 6 million since the Biden administration took over for the last couple months. And now he's saying before this is all said and done. And I think he's talking about the end of the the Biden presidency. You're talking anywhere between 10 and 15 million, especially with the end of Title 42 and how massive amounts of people are congregating just south of the United States right now. Oh, we're in for a wild ride. It's getting pretty scary. Um, Nebraska gubernatorial candidate Charles C.W. Herbster was the man of the hour. Herbster. Herbster. We always like to hear uh, from the candidates who the Save America rallies are for. There wasn't too many House seats or or senator races that were, you know, critical to this. It was for Herb. So let's kind of hear him weigh in and talk about uh, the southern border as well. Three days. McAllen, Texas. Del Rio. Tucson. That is a fantastic hat. Yes, it is. Thousands of people coming across our southern border from 106 different countries. I'm all for immigration. I know we've got fake news media back there. They always show up. So if I don't explain this correctly, trust me, They'll say, well, he's not for immigration. Oh, I'm for immigration. I'm for legal immigration. If we went back to the Trump policies of the first four years of his presidency, our borders would be closed, our borders would be protected, and $1 trillion worth of drugs that came across the border into this country in 2021 would not have happened. You know, he's got, he's like Guy Carey Lake vibes. Yeah. I like him. He's pretty tough, and uh, like I said, he earned the endorsement, so... It was good to hear him get up there and really talk about some of the things that are important. You know, Nebraska is not a border state geographically. However, they do have ridiculous amounts work of um, agriculture there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure with the influx of low-wage workers, as you might appropriately call them, I would call them under the tablers. Oh. On Social Security... Inadvertently displaced non-citizens. <laughs> Horrible. But it, it, it's great thread and uh, one that everybody's hitting home on right now. They're definitely focusing on Biden and Mayorkas for impeachment, um, you know, following the midterm elections. And, and they're going to stay on those pivotal issues right there. I think if uh, the southern border is one and Afghanistan is two, they're going to figure out ways legally to tie that into uh, articles of impeachment. He did uh, also, you know, shift the focus and keep it laser pointed on the biggest threat that remains to our country. And it's those, Noah loves this one, sick, sinister, and evil people Mm. within our own country. Ready for it? Let's hear it. Let's do it. Yeah, that we're standing up against some of the most menacing forces, entrenched interests, and vicious opponents our people have ever seen, despite great outside dangers. And we do have outside dangers. What's happening with Russia and Ukraine is a tremendous outside danger. Our biggest threat remains the sick, sinister, and evil people from within our country. They're a bigger threat than the outside threat. 
But no matter how big or powerful these corrupt, radical politicians may be, you must never forget this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you. There was a lot of people there. Yeah. This is your home. This is your heritage. Hey, whoa, whoa, don't get too far ahead of yourself. I got like my one good shittage of the day. Mm. You know, he usually talks about Crazy Nancy and ending her career and all the other stuff that's kind of funny. He, I believe he renamed Adam Schiff. He went from pencil neck to watermelon head recently. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that one. But uh, he did give a little bit of a roast on uh, Joe Biden, who went to the uh, – he had the White House Correspondents Dinner over the weekend. Um, we played his vapor locking moment on – when he was talking about – what was it? Kleptocracies of Russian oligarchs. Uh, last week, but uh, Donald Trump took it a little bit step further than that. Instead of playing just the audio, he brought the Jumbotron with him. You ready for this one? Let's do it. Just look at the video of Joe Biden attempting to speak last week, very tough, to Russia and Putin. Take a look at this. Of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their, take their, their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Kleptocracy. The guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. Oh, yeah. Just like corn pop. You should have said, what a fucking and disgrace. And it got worse, but we... Don't have all afternoon to. <laughs> Once and for all, Joe Biden should put the question to rest by taking a cognitive test. You have to do it and releasing the results for the entire world to see. You know, what's funny is that in the heat of the moment. Didn't they want Trump to take one of those? He did, and he aced it, the X test. He actually took it. He did take it. And how long after they wanted him to do it did he take it? Pretty quick, right? Yeah. And it was against AMA of then White House doctor, now seated House member Ronnie Jackson, mm -hmm. MD. Um, so Donald Trump had a little bit of gaffe during the uh, rally. He called J.D. Vance, J.D. Mandel, who's his primary challenger. Kind of easy. To, Josh Mandel, J.D. Vance. He was in like one of those moving his whole arms around talking about, you know, vote for this guy. And we've got great candidates everywhere. Oh, he told people to vote for the wrong guy. He just said J.D. Vance or JD Mandel, mm. right? So he walked it back and, and everybody kind of laughed and dude, it was played. Oh, on, so he caught it immediately. Played everywhere. Of course. We have played several minute montages of Joe Biden, not even knowing where the fuck he is becoming unruly. Everything from the button you're about to push, what he called Peter Ducey all the way to him vapor locking last week. Mm. Still haven't pushed it. Oh, this button. Yes. What a stupid son of a bitch. Donald Trump messes up one last name, and it's that's like, my cue. this might actually be the place where you hit the breaking news button as well, because right? that's what it was across every news outlet this weekend. There you go. Um, but yeah, that's just the kind of, you know, thing that we're we're up against right now. It's It's the literal fake news media. Well, they don't get a whole lot of ammunition, so when they get something that's even... God forbid he makes a gaffe, right? Right. Like the one to Biden's 50,000 million millions and millions of gaffes, which we won't hear in our favorite part of the rally, which is the outro when we're going to take it there now. They're a bigger threat 
than the outside threat. But no matter how big or powerful these corrupt, radical politicians may be, you must never forget this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you. This is your home. This is your heritage. And our American liberty is your God-given right. And they're not going to take it away. From Lincoln to Omaha, from Norfolk to Hastings, and from Grand Island to right here in Greenwood, you inherit the legacy of generations of great Nebraska patriots. It's a great state. They're great people. You built America, who gave their blood, sweat, and tears for their country that they love so much. We stand on the shoulders of American heroes who crossed the oceans, settled the continent, tamed the wilderness, laid down the railroads, raised up those skyscrapers, won two world wars, defeated fascism and communism, and made America the single greatest nation in the history of the world. Sure was. Mm -hmm. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country from the most horrible things that are right now happening. That's the most we are going to right fight there. for America like no one has ever fought before. We will stand up to the radical left lunatics and the rhinos, and we will preserve, protect, and defend the heritage that has been so brilliantly forged over nearly 250 years. Think of that. There's no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never, ever back down. As long as we are confident and united, the tyrants we are fighting do not even stand a chance. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and to God alone. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey that we've been on together has only just begun. It's time to start talking about greatness for our country again. Mm. We don't talk about greatness. We talk about everything. We don't talk about greatness. Talk about our country didn't become great by talking about other things. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God, and we're never taking the name God out. We are not taking it out. They want God. They want God taken out. They want God removed. Not going to happen. So with the help of everyone here today and citizens all across our land, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Nebraska. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you very much. the best. <laughs>
No, it was a good rally. Uh, I, I like the fact that the guy out there during the day doesn't make the people out, you know, stay out in the sun as long or in the inclement weather. It was supposed to originally happen Friday night. It got bumped to Sunday due to just that. And uh, he got it in and hit on some good points. Um, like I said, I think the stuff in Afghanistan and the southwest border are two of the biggest pivotal moments that we're looking to uh, capitalize on after the midterm elections. Obviously, the economy, uh, gas prices and energy independent are going to be probably three and four right behind that. Uh, when you talk about things holding the current administration accountable for. And then he kind of went down the laundry list of, of, of things he needed to uh, touch on, which included some new material for Joe Biden. So I kind of like it. And uh, I do have to uh, correct a program note, though. Oh. I did say we were the only program out there comprehensively covering every Trump rally soup to nuts. Mm-hmm. I stand corrected. John Bachman did a cover to cover on his show. Um, I watched it on, it was yesterday, Monday, and he had all of the rally highlights. I believe he's been traveling to a lot of the rallies. He was probably there in Nebraska, but he had done so much rally coverage that they actually cut the outro at the end to jump onto the other show because they were trying to pack so much of the, uh, Hmm. information into it. So I'll say we're the only podcast that comprehensively covers every Trump rally soup to nuts. And then John Backman, of course, can take the TV version of it and we will, Gladly pay homage to that because he's a great friend of the show and uh, overall meme enthusiast. So that's kind of where we're at. Trump's going to be in Pennsylvania this Friday night, and we might hear a little bit about that and more from our next guest who's getting ready to join us right now. He's coming back on Steak for Breakfast with a big campaign update. He's looking to represent Pennsylvania 8 in the upcoming midterm elections. Former Trump appointee, Mr. Jim Bognett, and as his audio keys up. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's back for a second time with a big campaign update. He's a former Trump administration appointee, and now he's looking to win back Pennsylvania 8 in the midterm elections for the U.S. House of Representatives. Mr. Jim Bognett, thanks for joining us again on Steak for Breakfast. It is great to be with Steak for Breakfast today, guys. Thanks. It's great to have you here, sir. How's everything going? We are rocking and rolling on the campaign trail. I mean, people are so uh, desperate for change. They know the country's on uh, a road to disaster. Joe Biden's driving the truck over the cliff. Uh, they want a red wave here in the fall. We're working hard to to give it to them. And every day it seems like something happens, which just shows the need more than ever uh, for us to bring back the America First agenda. How's things been going for you on the campaign trail? Getting tremendous outpouring of grassroots support. Uh, just in the last few days, I was up in Lackawanna County in German uh, that's what Joe Biden claims is his home county, Lackawanna, Scranton, PA. People in Scranton, PA are starting to turn their back on Joe Biden. I mean, that's an ancestral Democratic place where Biden's usually dominated. Even there, people are saying to me, Jim, home heating oil is at five eighty nine a gallon here. Yeah. We paid $1,500 to heat our home uh, in March. This is crazy. Uh, gas prices out of control. You can't get a used car for your kid uh, to start a, a, you know, a side hustle in the summer cutting grass because used cars now cost what new cars used to cost. Yep. I mean, it is out of control. We're getting great enthusiasm. Uh, I, I think that you know, we never want to be complacent. We never want to rest on our laurels, but I think November has the possibility of being earth-shattering in its implications, what we see in this vote. Yeah, that's really great to hear. And, you know, when you talk about it, if if you're willing to go out and take the time and do the groundwork, knock on doors, shake hands with people, the real blue class American families up there, the hard workers in in that part of Pennsylvania right there in in the northeastern corner, uh, I'm sure those things that resonate 
with, with them are the ones that you're talking about now, those gas prices, empty shelves, car prices out of control, heating their homes, and then even jobs. You know, the job market's kind of slowing down a little bit again. Uh, you know, Joe Biden apparently is the greatest jobs president ever, but when you hire back 5 million of the 10 million jobs you shuttered with COVID and, and counted as creating jobs, and I guess, <coughs> bless, you, bless you, you could say that. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's it's good to see that you're doing the groundwork and re- and that stuff is resonating so good with the great people out there in Pennsylvania 8. You got to do the groundwork. You got to earn it. You know, that's one thing I've learned in my life. I come from a, a long line of hard workers. My grandfather was a, a coal miner, came from Italy to mine coal here in the anthracite region of Pennsylvania. My family has a construction business. I grew up, you know, pouring concrete, digging ditches. If you're not willing to work for it, nothing's given to you in this life. So we got to work for it and earn it this year. But that's something all Republicans believe. We're the party of hard work. We're the party of risk taking. The other side, they're the party of canceling and uh, kvetching and uh, moaning and screaming about uh, how the world is and how you know their feelings are hurt. Uh, I'm really proud to be a Republican. I'm proud to be a Trump Republican this year because I think it's going to be a pretty amazing thing. You know, one issue I didn't bring up that I really should have that I hear on the trail all the time is immigration. Sure. Uh, people are out of control angry about Title 42 being dropped. You know, you think, what does Northeast Pennsylvania have to do with immigration? And I'll tell you, my hometown of Hazelin, Pennsylvania, has become a haven for illegal immigrants. I'm running against the guy in the primary who was a former Democrat. He ran on Hillary Clinton's ticket in mm. 2016. He was the Democratic nominee, and he was the Democratic mayor of my hometown when illegal immigration got out of control. He refuses to support President Trump's border wall. When I'm elected to Congress, I want a border wall. We have to finish the wall. We have to deport illegals that are here. If your first act when you come to this country is to break our laws, we don't want you here. Throw you back over the wall and let's let's go and have a country and have a border. Sure, that makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, I know you broke the Afghan refugee story and Pennsylvania story with us last time. And now, you, you know, you're following up on that with saying that, your Republican primary challenger is a former Clinton supporter and ran under Clinton, you know, principles and and was actually a mayor who supported these. So it's pretty interesting to see the stark contrast between you both. Um, let's stay in that thread real quick. You know, we saw up on Capitol Hill last week, it's, it's budget appropriations time of the year. All of the cabinet members are doing their version of barnstorming, trying to legitimize their budget. In addition to all of the awful things that we saw Alejandro Mayorkas thrown under the bus for, which deservedly so he should have gotten all of them, uh, was the crisis that's going on on the Southern border. Do you feel as, as someone who's looking to be in the house and on day one with, with a lot of the people who are running in the nation and the same kind of, uh, you know, motions as you are is to draft articles, impeachments for uh, laws that have violated the United States? A hundred percent. I've been calling for about the last six months. I can't remember if it was October or November, but I came out and called for May versus impeachment. I mean, Secretary Mayorkas has abandoned uh, his duty. I mean, he swore an oath to the Constitution to faithfully execute the laws of the United States of America. Does anybody with two eyes and two ears think that Secretary Mayorkas is faithfully executing the laws on immigration? He is literally waving people through. He's like a crossing guard with a go sign that, <laughs> that he holds up. It's unbelievable. He should have been gone. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that those articles haven't been uh, voted on. I think we should get a discharge petition going right now, try to get it onto the floor of the House. I bet you there's some Democrats who might sign that because he's done a really horrible job. So I would like to see him impeach uh, first, first thing we do when we get in the office. But, you know, that's a first step. But we have to do much more. We have to appropriate more money for the border. We have to support our border patrol agents. Remember the Obama administration uh, tried to accuse their own uh, border guys 
of whipping illegal immigrants. Sure. When it turns out they were just using the reins on their horses. Uh, we saw an American hero die two weeks ago when he jumped into a raging Rio Grande River to try to save two migrants. Because even though we want to crack down on illegal immigrants, we're not without compassion. Uh, even our, our servicemen don't want to see people die. People are dying. People are dying. Illegal immigrants are dying. It's cruel to the illegal immigrants to have the uh, policy that Joe Biden has. It's cruel to the ranchers. It's cruel to everybody. And that's why we need to keep Title 42 in place. And that's why we need to stop this fentanyl outrage that's coming across our borders. These guys are bringing poison to my community. I want it stopped. I don't understand why the rest of the country is not up in arms about this. We need we need to stop this now. Yeah, that coalition of people up on Capitol Hill already, the uh, you know, the Ken Bucks, the Matt Gates, the Jim Jordans, uh, Lee Zeldin, Andy Biggs, all the people that took him to task last week are going to have some mighty fine additions come November. It's my hypothesis when when you and, and several of your other counterparts running across the country for house seats join them there because uh, I just don't think a lot of people understand it. You know, they hear fentanyl is the number one killer. They see it on and in the legacy media, they, they, okay, well, I don't see fentanyl in my real life. Well, yeah, you might. Fentanyl is now getting infused into marijuana. It's getting infused into pills. It's getting infused into things that, you know, people are normally addicted to and that they struggle with part of the opioid crisis. And so many people are overdosing and dying on it now because it's just getting added to all these different drugs. In addition to that, like the migrant crisis, you know, they'll see file footage of people crossing the river and they're like, yeah, I guess it's, you know, pretty bad. But when you talk about over 3 million people have already been admitted to the United States since the part of the Biden administration. And if you just look at the, it logistically over the course of time, there's almost no legitimate way to deport any of these people. So if we don't stop it now, you, you take two more years of this and, and you're talking over 6 million people plus. Uh, with, with a combination of the end of 40, title, title 42 and then the border not getting locked down, it's going to turn into something even worse than it is now. How about the lunacy of a policy where we detain illegal immigrants and then release them basically on their own recognizance and tell them, oh, yeah, come back for a hearing in six months. Is that the most insane thing you've ever heard? Sure is. That's why President Trump implemented the Remain in Mexico policy. We need Remain in Mexico. We need to, you know, in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, where I'm sitting right now, we have teenagers dying of fentanyl overdoses. You know where that fentanyl came through? Nogales, Yuma, San Diego, L.A. on ships. We, we see that problem. We need to stop it. We need more penalties for drug kingpins. We need to use our technology to secure the border. It's an outrage. I can go on forever about this. It's an outrage, but I'll stop talking and let you go on to the next segment. No, you're right, and I'll just finish up with saying, like, his his solution to this was to add 300 more Border Patrol agents to process the ridiculous amount of bodies that are crossing right now. It's just an insult yeah, to the just, American people. Yeah, it's opening more cashiers at Walmart. That's all it is. Mm. Well, speaking of cashiers, how about my opponent, Matt Cartwright? He voted for $1,200 stimulus checks for illegal immigrants. Hmm. Is that crazy? Yes, Well, it's about money. If you come here illegally, we're going to give you the hardworking people of America's money. That is something that never gets talked about. Almost every Democrat, I think maybe one voted against it, voted for $1,200 stimulus payments to illegal immigrants. Yeah, hmm. I, I definitely think- Does one- that outweigh Kamal Harris saying, don't come, don't come? <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> okay, come. Jim, I think one of the things bringing awareness to the American people and just how much in the wallet it's individualized uh, to families and stuff once you get get up on Capitol Hill will be a huge benefit 
to everyone who's just a casual follower of politics and don't understand, like if I live in the Midwest or I live in the Northeast, like, okay, I see illegal immigration down in Texas, but that really doesn't affect me. But then when you start talking about like the healthcare, the business loans, the, you know, the, the way that it affects schools, you infuse people in there who aren't willing to integrate or change. And then it brings down the entirety of everything that's dealing with your own children's uh, educational process. And it affects the whole state on a level because of test scores and stuff like that. I think the government should have to actually put like a dollar amount on how much this is going to cost you. And it should be like a website that you look up and it's just like, all right, this is how much extra you're paying in taxes because of this now. Yeah, it's a great idea. Hopefully something you could follow up on once you get into a Congress next year. (laughs) I do want to talk about what uh, what's going on on the campaign trail right now. So you've got the primary coming up uh, May 17th. Is that correct? Two weeks from today. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, Pennsylvania's heating up. I think Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Ohio are the biggest battlegrounds of the country. Everything from people running for governor all the way down to U.S. House seats, obviously senators in between that. You've got races heating up everywhere. What's the pulse like in Pennsylvania right now? And, and just how much of a, of a battleground is it right between you and the uh, Republican challenger? It's a tremendous uh, uh sense of enthusiasm here. We got President Trump coming up on Friday. Mm-hmm. I was at Mar-a-Lago with him two weeks ago uh, talking to him. Uh, he's coming up to do an event outside of Pittsburgh. Um, it's tremendously exciting to have the president back in my state. I spoke at a rally that he did the night before the election in 2020 yep. in front of 10,000 people at Wilkes-Barre Scranton Airport. Anytime he comes to town, it gets the America first uh, folks like me fired up because we know our leader is in town to really push hard for what we believe in. We need to get a Republican governor elected here in Pennsylvania. We have a thing called Act 77, which allowed uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, It has been declared unconstitutional by the Commonwealth Court, the number two court in the country. Uh, If it was unconstitutional this year, when we got that ruling, it was unconstitutional in 2020, and I should be in Congress, and President Trump uh, would have won Pennsylvania, which I believe he did. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's tremendously great to have him here. You know, we have these Democrats that won't accept voter ID, uh, that want to make you show a COVID vaccine card to go get a Starbucks coffee, but they don't think you should have to show an ID to be able to vote our most sacred right. We've saw multiple instances of voting fraud here in Pennsylvania. We're gonna keep fighting for voter security. Uh, If you don't have a fair election, uh, it's very hard to have a constitutional democratic republic. So we're gonna keep fighting for that. Uh, What else can I tell you about on the ground here? When I drive around, I have five counties in Northeastern Pennsylvania, Wayne, Pike, Monroe, Luzerne, Lackawanna County. There are signs everywhere for our governor candidates. There are signs everywhere for our Senate candidates. My signs are everywhere. We have multiple people running for the Republican nomination to the state house representatives. I have never seen a more energized Republican party in Pennsylvania, which tells me I'm gonna win my seat. We're gonna embarrass Joe Biden in his quote unquote hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, That's how I want everybody to know about this race, that this is Joe Biden's hometown that's gonna repudiate him. We're gonna win the Senate race, which is super important to flip the Senate. Yes. And we're gonna win the governor's race. We are going to have a trifecta sweep here in Pennsylvania, and that's going to get us ready for the 2024 election where we are going to deliver Pennsylvania in the American first column again. Nice. Yeah, the blue collar American workers that live in Pennsylvania sure do miss President Trump. Uh, Joe Biden followed up on every single thing he promised there. Yeah, Biden hasn't had a whole lot of luck going out and visiting those people in uh, his home home state. (laughs) No, not at all. Look here, fat. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and I think moving forward after these midterm elections, you guys are going to be gearing it up and locking Pennsylvania down to ensure, like you said, a win for President Trump uh, getting across the finish line there in uh, 2024. So we're ready. We don't want him that. here. We don't want him here. Let me tell you, he he named a new expressway or, or named the Central Scranton Expressway, the Joe Biden Expressway. Every time I drive into Scranton, my, my stomach gets a little queasy seeing that. Who names an expressway after themselves before they did anything? So since he did that, Gas is at $5 a gallon. He shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, he claims to be from Scranton, Pennsylvania. He left in the 50s. None of us were alive. You know, this guy was elected president in 1972. I'm a middle-aged dude. I'm 46. He was president three years, or excuse me, senator three years before I was elected. So we have a 50-year record of incompetence, liberalness, and lunacy. And we got to take that down here in the 2022 elections. Yeah, he's definitely going to be taking the task following the midterms this year. Uh, I think every time something happens, I thought he was referencing one of his uh, one of his gaffes when he said, I, "I've been, I've been." What, what, what did he say? He's he said been, yesterday he's been. Well, there hasn't been very many senators from from where he's from, and actually, if you think about it, he's the only one. I thought I missed one that he said he was a uh, elected president in 1972. <laughs> no, he ran for president a bunch of times. Can never get over the finish line. Dude. Yeah, ignorance and plagiarism. Boop. Yeah, Jim. What 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 do you want our listenership to know moving forward? How are they? Can they best support you? We've got a great ground game on steak for breakfast. If you need extra people knocking on doors and stuff like that, you could definitely feel uh, that some of our listenership is going to be out there supporting you. But more importantly, for our, our nationally listening audience and knowing that the primary is only fourteen days away, uh, this show will be up today. We know not to donate to the GOP to the establishment anymore. Ron McDaniel doesn't get any more money from the listeners of Steak for Breakfast. They donate right to the best and America First candidates out there. So why don't you give your campaign websites and tell our listenership exactly what you need? Bognetforcongress.com. B-O-G-N-E-T-F-O-R-F-O-R congress.com. You could donate there. You could sign up to come volunteer for us. We have housing available. We'll put people up. We got pizza. We got beer. Come to Northeast Pennsylvania. Get out and start knocking doors with us the next two weeks. Uh, go on to Facebook, Bognet for Congress on P- Facebook, Bognet for Congress on Twitter. Follow us, share our stuff. There was an amazing Breitbart article out last night on my uh, uh, primary opponent, who, as I said, was a former Democrat. The allegations against him are incredible. Uh, please go and check out that Breitbart article. Just type in my name and Breitbart and you'll see it. So we'd love to have uh, people's donations, but really we need their prayers and we need their feet up here knocking on doors to make sure we get uh, America First candidates elected. I'm going to share that article right now when we cut with you. I'm going to live link everything you just said in the uh, show description today. And man, pizza and beer and America First candidate, what more can you possibly ask for? Wish I was closer. Yeah, us too. This is the man who's looking to represent Pennsylvania 8 in the upcoming midterm elections. Primary starting soon, May 17th. Mr. Jim Bognett, thanks for joining us again on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you, Steak for Breakfast. Love you guys. All right, coming in with us now, back into the news segments. rest of the show is going to be joining us today. She is the CEO and co-host of Drunk Politics. We did a guest appearance on her show not too long ago, and here she is joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Krista Hilton, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? You know, super. Stop lying. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's so good. Oh, my God. I can confirm that the room you're in is not on fire, so you're not referencing (laughs) the room. The buildings aren't burning around me, which is good. Could be be worse. Yeah. Before we get started with any of the news, why don't you let our listenership know a little bit about you, where you kind of line up ideologically, politically, and then uh, your show. 
Okay. Um, my name's Krista. Uh, I own Drunk Republic. My podcast is called Drunk Politics. I um, co-host that with my sister. And um, we got into this because we're just tired of hearing the same regurgitated shit all the time. And, um, you know, we need more people to speak out. So that's our main goal is to encourage people to speak out. We have a whole line of merch that is centered around that. So you can wear stuff without even having to say anything if you don't want to start a conversation or it could be used as a great conversation starter. Um, I come from a background of business ownership. I've only worked for myself for the most part for the last 22 years. That must be nice. And so now we're transitioning into this and this is a new business that I've never, a new industry I've never ventured into. So it's been a learning curve, but you know, it's good. And I'm a mom. I have a 12 year old son. Oh, nice. Getting into yeah. the arena of conservative politics can never be a fun one, especially for a gal. Um, has it been tough? How how's it been received? I mean, I, I've listened to your show. I like your guys' content. You guys have definitely some some hot takes, and and you guys do your research before you go out and, and really speak on some stuff. But I think the fact of the matter is, is that you know, it's it's kind of a, a hot zone right now to be in in politics, especially if you you know support America First agenda politics like we do on this show. And uh, how's it been received? It seems like you guys are doing fairly well. You know, we are doing pretty good. I've been shadow banned a lot, which is interesting. Um, Instagram in particular thinks I'm violent. (laughs) So I'm not even getting shadow banned for political stuff. It's like um, they think I'm a violent person because they said that I would shoot a guy's dick off if he tried to rape me. (laughs) So um, that was the latest shadow ban. But it's been fine. I'm pretty moderate. Uh, my sister's a lot more conservative, even like she's a little bit of a flat earther. So, um, but, but I'm personally more, more moderate. I'm a registered libertarian. Um, so I really do have a lot of conservative, like super hardcore conservatives that hate me. And then also liberals that hate me. So it's, it, you know, it's fine. It's good to be well-rounded. I think healthy mix of wholesome content, hate from both sides. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that people just hate us in general as well. So welcome to the party. Yeah, um, it's good. It, yeah, it's good to get some kind of different voices on here as well. All right, we're going to jump into some of the news. We saw last week uh, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas was up on Capitol Hill. It's it's appropriations time for the budgets. Good old Ollie. Yeah, a very brilliant man, according to some of the commentators from CNN. Um, they, they were talking about, uh, you know, things on the border, but then segued a little bit to this disinformation governance board, uh, which is highly disturbing. Definitely vibes of a certain movie that seems to be a recurring theme over the past two years. Are there people that are getting behind this on, on their team? Like, oh, they love it. Like the general public on the left is just like, fuck, yeah, this is a great idea. This this could never go wrong. So no. go ahead, Krista. Oh, um, well, I was just talking to a a really hardcore liberal about this, and he was saying that like everyone I live in Portland for everybody that didn't know that um, every every liberal like hardcore liberal who's not a leftist, like a classic liberal, classic Democrat, all of his friends, they hate this. Yeah, are really torn on the whole everything when it comes to free speech because they've always been about free speech so the this disinformation stuff they're just they're not about it yeah that's we, refreshing at least yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to hear because uh you know you would have to think those well there are critical thinkers on both sides yeah. Unf- unfortunately their critical thinking sometimes leads them down an interesting path but 
Well, so I asked him, I was like, why don't you guys start speaking up then and get mad about your party being freaking hijacked? And they were like, he was like, well, that's the problem with, um, with us. Like we're too afraid of being, um, too afraid of being canceled by our own party. Like, are you actually serious? You're going to have, you're going to have to grow some balls, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. When, when Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are your only lifelines in the, in the Democrat party now who kind of vaguely represent like the Kennedy Democrats, you know, yeah. of, of the 60s and 70s, it's 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 hard and scary. They see how crazy. I mean, they go from like doxing you at your work all the way to showing up at your house. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's things that people take into consideration, but it's good to hear that the moderate libs are kind of like in tune with this being, you know, it's a lot of people see it as like a clap back for the Twitter thing. But we had Joe Kent on on Friday. In addition, mm-hmm. in addition to all the things he did as a special operator in the service, he was a CIA agent for a number of years before he got out. And, and you know, we talked to him about this, and, and one of his biggest concerns was if they're going public with it now and rolling it out during, like, an appropriations for budget hearing, that it's probably been in effect for a long time. We saw yeah. a lot of this stuff used during, like, possibly January 6th, where things that were yeah. supposedly private and encrypted were able to get, you know, observed and viewed and heard by the FBI and, and, and oh. other agencies like that. So now that they're going public with it, they're, they've reached a level of comfortability to where they could just kind of throw it on the American public. So bad. Yeah. We're, we're going to do it anyway, but just so you know, now. It, yeah. We've it been comes. doing it for five years, but no big deal. Yeah. That's basically what he said. And uh, kind of what I'm thinking is the, is the case. Yeah. The rollout, you know, they've already got the bugs worked out. Oh yeah. They're not going to roll it out and just have it be like, Alexa, what is my enemies thinking? Yeah. It probably started when Obama passed that bill, like around the same time. Oh, and my Alexa just went off. Oh, nice. <laughs> Does she have an answer? Ew. I don't know what she said. It's too low. Alexa, <laughs> off. <laughs> FBI agent's like, what are you doing? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Spill this coffee all over the computer screen. God damn it. Jen Psaki was asked Thought yesterday. I got a nap. In the White House press pool about this, I've got three short clips from her. Let's hear her kind of weigh in on it. Oh, God. On another topic, does the president know that DHS is putting together this disinformation governance board? Well, Peter, I, I think I would note, oh, and I'm Peter. not sure if this has been in your reporting yet, but the president this is a doesn't know what's going on. Of work that was done under the prior administration, under the Trump administration, uh, to uh, take steps to address disinformation, address the use of disinformation in helping smugglers prompt uh, the movement of more migrants uh, across uh, to the border. I would note that the first example given in the announcement about this was uh, DHS's work to understand how, quote, misinformation spread by human smugglers that prey on vulnerable populations attempting to migrate to the United States. So for anyone who's out there who may be concerned about the increase in migrants to the border, this Uh, is the kind of of apparatus that's working to address disinformation. And again, continuing the work of the Department of Homeland Security in 2020, something we're currently applauding. Well, applauding. Mm. Got to applaud that. She wasn't done. Like, you're really going to use the migrants as your ammo? She talked about how they would operate nonpartisanly as well. Let's hear this one. Uh-huh. Um, it's not the mandate is not to adjudicate what is true or false online or or otherwise. Um, sure. It will operate in a nonpartisan and apolitical what? manner. It's what? basically meant to coordinate a lot of the ongoing work that is happening. And what their focus is ongoing the work. focus is on disinformation and threats to the homeland, as I noted, which things like inciting things that would incite violent extremism. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, human traffickers oh. and other transnational criminal organizations, uh, any efforts that uh, malign foreign Pilates. influence, anything Pilates. that would endanger individuals during emergencies. <laughs> so a lot of this work is really about work that people may not see every day that's ongoing Damn. by the Department of Homeland. She did say get a margarita and do a yoga class. I mean, if you're having a rough moving up to Pilates, that's... Wow. Some so, apparatus involved there. So for some reason, all of the questions were deflected towards like a human smuggling component. Is she kind of saying without saying that we have the ability to... Well, they were trying to say like, well, Trump was doing this already, so you can't be mad. Yeah, well, they, they formulated two fucking impeachments with no information. Like literally, yeah. he wanted something like this to be there because this the, they turned fake news into like impeaching the president of the oh. United States. So I want someone to ask, like, okay, disinformation. So what happens to CNN? Because they've been peddling disinformation for a long time. Who not, determines not them. what is disinformation? Like, oh, look, all these things are coming true that CNN said wasn't. Yeah. So what do you do with that? Well, it's the thinly veiled, basically, your political enemies are the only ones who can be having disinformation. Right. So, like that automatically discredits everything she just said. Yeah, it, d it does. And, and one hasn't of the stopped her before. No, it hasn't. And she'll continue to run with it as she's, her time is short as the white house press secretary. Is it over oh, yet? Yeah. How fucking long can we get a goddamn yeah. can we countdown get, can timer? Go now? She can we have. circle back to her leaving? She should have to wear it around her neck, like flavor Flav. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the digital clock with the countdown. <laughs> they, they did ask a similar follow-up question to the one you guys just posed. And that was, what do you, do when certain things that were labeled disinformation, for instance, the Hunter Biden laptop came out and, and you guys said because 51 whatevers and five former heads of the CIA said it was Russian disinfo discredited it. How are you going to work on things like that? Let's hear what her answer was. There's this woman, Nina Jankowitz, who oh. is going to be in charge of the board. She has said that she thinks the Hunter Biden laptop is Russian disinformation. So should we look forward in the future to her censoring Internet traffic about the Hunter Biden laptop? I think I noted exactly what the objective of the board is, including continuing the work of the prior administration. And the woman uh. you noted has extensive experience uh, and has done extensive work addressing disinformation. She has... Uh, testified before Congress, testified uh, in Europe. Um, she has done, worked closely with the Ukrainians and has unique expertise, especially That's at this scary. moment we're facing. Chris, I don't know if you've heard too much about Nina Jankowicz, but she, her last job was for a Facebook-funded <laughs> internet think tank that combated disinformation, so you can only imagine what her jobs were there. In addition to that, she was funded uh, by the Clinton Foundation to be a liaison between the United States and the uh, sitting government of Ukraine before that. So, plus she's a pretty big TikTok star. Oh, you, she brought over the cash and the design oh of the luggage. Oh, my God. First of all, she didn't answer the fucking question. She never does. When, when, when has she? I don't know, but she definitely didn't then. Second of all, I'm sorry, really disinformation in Ukraine? Does that really give her any credit? I think Ukraine, really? Ukraine being, what, the third most corrupt country? Yeah. I think they are disinformation. <laughs> I don't know if you guys the entire system is fucking disinformation. Yeah. What a joke. So basically you just told us that she's going to be censoring you and you should be scared. You should be very scared. I'm so scared. Now well now she has the opportunity to weaponize armed members of Department of Homeland Security to swatch your house when you put what they deem misinformation out there on the internet. Wow. I wonder if they're gonna stay away from the 
Are we all getting arrested? <clears throat> yes. Quite possibly. <laughs> You're going to think twice before you publish that. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. It's it's designed to suppress any... I mean, it's... I don't know how you could literally just rewrite 1984 for current times and have it be more relevant. Like, it's, We're it's, living it. it's amazing. And people are just like... It's like the fucking dog with the the room on fire meme. It's like this is fine. Like, no, this is not fine. This is yeah. this is dangerous. This is your government taking way too much power. No, you're one hundred percent correct. And and a lot of people are saying that they're going live with this now at an inopportune time and in such a bad place, like the appropriation hearings for the DHS budget when they're trying to rationalize how been the border's been for the last two years. Um, as, as something to combat Elon Musk buying Twitter, which at the end of the day, when it happens, it's not going to be as bad as everybody thinks. Like the no. people, the people who get nuked are actually going to be able to put their memes in the comment sections of the idiots who post stupid shit on there. But besides that, what's really going to happen? We're going to see real polls, real numbers, real data, and then people crying about it. It's like a little bit different than it is now, and we, I won't have to make eight accounts to be able to stay on there. Right. What are you going to do with uh, eight accounts when you get all yours back? ask for all my passwords because I can't possibly have remembered all of them. <laughs> can, I, can we just combine these accounts? Can we make that happen? Yeah, like a super account? I would like yeah. all my followers back. That, that, that's for sure. Yeah, we had some pretty epic numbers for and, a while there. And great accounts. What are we at now? 500? Yeah, we just hit 500. So on account And what eight, was our max before? We've lost about 12,000 followers. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. That's so many. Yeah, and it, it's been a long two-year process. I've, we've never gotten a strike. We've never had a tweet taken down or anything like that. It's just been what? arbitrary, like, you're gone. Okay, yeah. you're done. You're done. I log in one day, and it's like the white screen of death. What? Yeah, it, it's it's interesting the way that they uh, do that and, and kind of handle that whole censorship portion of it. Well, and you know it's just some freaking soy-based... <laughs> Some soy boy on his lunch break, like, like, okay, who can I delete right now? You are gone. Yeah, and even this one, like this account, the, our eighth account was used with a new email. I'm embarrassed to say it, but my daughter's cell phone number, so she's going to have to get a new phone number before she eventually has a Twitter account when she's old enough because she's only 10. And we weren't allowed to be a professional account this time. They said we weren't allowed. We're very unprofessional. Right, even though in the past we had been. And uh, they also said that, uh, you know, if you type it into that website where you could check if you're banned, shadow banned on Twitter, we're three out of four red checks. There's a website for that? Yeah. What oh, is, there is? And how does it quantify that? It, you type in your, your username, your at, and then it runs it on Twitter. And then it'll say, do you come up as like a suggestion? Do you come up in like who to follow? Do you come up and... Do you have to type the entire name in 100% up to the last letter before you show up? That's the funny thing. You like try to type somebody's name in. You're like, I just typed in like three letters and everybody else showed up. But I have to type in all 18 of this one for it to even remotely pop up. Like our Instagram account? Yes, that one. Yeah, so I yeah. guess somebody just followed us from one of the meme chats that we're in. Right, You type in and Nancy Pelosi pops up. But That's it. Speaker Pelosi. Um Everybody loves her. How dare you press that button? Mm. Um, no, but Right Wing Savages 2.0 just followed us for our 500th follower. So thank you for that. But he said, like, in the group chat, like, man, I had to type in the whole at to get your name to, like, pop up. And he's like, thank for a second. And then, boom, it populated. Yeah. Just as the kind of same way it does on, on Instagram. But um, 
more importantly to the problem, like Alejandro Mayorkas was out there this weekend talking about some of the shit that went down at those hearings last week, and he admitted some really scary numbers to, uh, I believe it was Brett Baer on uh, Fox News Sunday. Let's hear him talk about the crisis at the border real quick. The DHS has directly released at least 836,000 aliens into the United States since January 21st. Then you add the 207,000 unaccompanied alien children, UACs. And then your Border Patrol estimates somewhere from 200 to 400,000 gotaways, in other words, encounters that uh, are not evade apprehension. So and, that, and gotaways have been a challenge uh, from the beginning. Yeah. From the beginning. But for, that, yeah, that so matches your numbers roughly? I believe so. So that's all without Title 42 in place. I mean, with Title 42 in with place, Title 42. when it's oh, removed, you're going to see more numbers. And he had no answer for that. The, uh, um, well, Brett, the, uh, the data that I'm about to provide may not, it'll contradict what you're saying. Well, uh, I'm actually not Nostradamus, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> Krista, you've seen our, our border evaporate over the last 15 months. <laughs> or more, how do you feel about that crisis that's going down there and just how important of it is an issue to maybe someone who might casually follow politics and don't understand how this affects just about every community in the United States? Well, I think it not only affects the communities, but I think that the people that aren't, that need to know how big of a deal it is are the people that think that they're the most compassionate. So like, if you don't understand what kind of human trafficking crisis we're having right now, then that is that that's sad. And when you do figure it out, you're going to feel real bad for not giving a fuck. So that is the most important thing to me. I mean, I interviewed uh, somebody that's worked down there and they, he was talking about how um, there's color coded wristbands, yep. depending on how much a person's worth and all of that. And it's like, I mean, my own theories on this is that our government's in on it. And that's the only logical thing I can think of because why else would this be going on? And for them to gaslight us the way that they are, I watched the hearings with secretary Mayorkas, Mayorkas uh, last week. And, or yeah, it was last week. I, I, I couldn't even believe the stuff that was coming out of his mouth. No, the cluelessness, like if you're that clueless, that's sad. But beyond that, it's like, you really think you're doing a good job? Well, I think, what was it, Gates? He's, he, he had the most apt way to describe me, because he's like, I don't think that you're actually an incompetent person. I think you're actually, what did he say? Smart dude. A pretty smart dude. But mm-hmm. that's, that's exactly the thing. It's like, why do we allow this bullshit where no matter what you ask me, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to dance around and just, you know, lie about not knowing the information. It's like, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, well, I, uh, the data will show, uh, the data shows that, uh, actually at seven thirty in the morning uh, is normally what time breakfast happens. But in this, uh, the speaker's time has expired. The gentleman, gentleman's time has expired. Will you allow him time to answer the question? Can he answer the question? The American people want to hear the answer to this question. What did he have for breakfast? Uh, well, uh, uh, speaker, you don't exactly have to answer. That's exactly how it went. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how it went. Yeah. That was exactly it. It, it. it was really sad. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, you ask, how could someone acting so incompetent be up there? I like to remind our listening audience, how could someone who is under criminal investigation for pay-for-play visas under the Obama administration when Alejandro Mayorkas was the head of CIS – and giving out visas to Saudi princes, people to do with the Clinton Foundation. What's Gov- he worth? Governor Murphy. What's his net worth? <laughs> yeah. Between 1.5 and $5 million. Like, he, 
I, Mayorkas? Yeah. I don't feel like you should be able to get to that particular level of wealth. I want to know what Working for their the government. offshore accounts equal. Oh, yeah, for sure. I wonder if he's Oops. a crypto investor. Probably. Only, Some, to, only to hide money. Someone who's not and probably going to be looking for a job soon. Our least favorite human potato over the weekend <laughs> CNN fake news Sunday morning. Brian Stelter had a panel on. <laughs> Let's hear part of his monologue, and then we'll hear part of the pa- panel about this whole disinformation board. In the U.S., there's been a, an uproar in recent days about the Department of Homeland Security setting up what they call a disinformation governance board. Um, this has been mostly a Fox World story. It, ah, uh, Fox it, World. It, it could come up earlier today on CNN State of the Union. But I don't think people know what it is and what State it isn't. State of the isn't. fake union. Uh, a lot of, of, yeah, yeah. of right-wing uproar without knowing what it is. So do, are you in, uh, aware of this at all? What is this all about? Aware of it. And I think the first thing is, is that it's a board, exactly as we say. It, it wow. is meant to bring together people to coordinate a lot of the efforts inside of DHS. That means law enforcement. That means emergency services like FEMA. Hmm. They've all been doing counter-disinformation efforts for a while to give us accurate information about uh, uh, human rights abuses, but also about disasters and where people can get assistance. Yes, it so is. So coordinating that activity, making it speak with one voice, and being a stronger advocate to tech companies and engaging the public and academia, that's really what they're after. But hold on. That sounds like common sense. But when I Google this, all I see is like Joe Biden's Ministry of Truth, and they're going to steal, you know, like it's the, there's this incredible backlash to something that sounds like basic government bureaucracy. It is basic government bureaucracy. And around the world, what we're asking for governments to do is to step up more and to play a bigger role in advocating for people. The big litmus test is, is civil society included? Is the media included? And so far, everything we've heard about the board, which is new and just started, shows us that that is the intention, is to be fully transparent and to demand more from our government (laughs) in terms of how they protect us from disinformation and enable us to have information that protects our country mm. and advances our ability to survive in a, in a major incident, for instance. Mm. Mm. It actually is a board. It still has that oh, new, new board smell. I got pretty scared when she said FEMA has been combating online yeah. disinformation for years. Yeah, what? <laughs> Seriously? But, but, wait, why do we need them to protect us from dif- disinformation? Why do we need that? Well, because it's the wrong. Why do we need to be protected from information that we want to read? Yeah. What? Why? Why is that on? Why? Why do you get to protect me from that? That's not your job. Well, because it's a way for you to know about things that they don't want you to know about. Right. Exactly. Like all the COVID disinformation that they say was provided over the course of the pandemic. Like all. Oh, so I have um. I have a buddy and um, he was telling me that um, the clinics that um, he's in charge of used uh, ivermectin and mm. hydroxychloroquine or whatever as a regimen. Okay. And their their mortality rate was 40% lower than the national average. No one I used it as well and our mortality rate was zero. Yeah, you're saying that they, they didn't use the... Uh... The program. Yeah, they didn't go straight that, to ventilators. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Sounds like Yeah. So like what is disinformation? Like, are we gonna get are we gonna get a say over how you're deciding what's true and not true? Because no. if it's up not. to you, then the fact that that 40%, they had a 40% success rate or whatever, less mortality rate. Okay, 
cool. That is, that's not disinformation. It's an actual stat. That's information. That is an, that's information that you are then going to keep from me because it doesn't fit your narrative. Are you going to tell me that? Right. That would actually be the, uh, um, the, the data. The data. Yeah, they don't that like I have. data. They like to manipulate data. My, my, Mr. My, Speaker, my stock value. Would you allow me to present the data? <laughs> the gentleman's time has expired. That panel continued, and CNN's David uh, Zerkowick was on. I'm reclaiming my time. Yeah, exactly. I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> oh God, I just am thinking in my head how I don't want to ever see Jerry Nadler the head of a committee ever again. God, he's very penguin-like. <laughs> oh. So they're spinning this into combination Elon Musk and needing online regulation. Let's hear about this guy talk about how Donald Trump opened the gates to hell on social media. There's a bigger problem that when we focus on the personalities of people like Elon Musk and people say, oh, I think Elon's thinking this or that. There's a bigger problem here about how we are going to control the channels of communication Mm -hmm. in this country. In 1927, we had the Radio Act. 1934, the Communications Act. Congress stepped in. We made rules. FCC wasn't great, but it's still regulating the broadcast industry. You can't use vulgar language. You can't do all these things with speech. We gave over our uh, what amounts to our airwaves or our Internet waves to Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. And we are in so much trouble because those guys believe in making money. We've already seen that with the 2016 election mm. in Zuckerberg when he was taking rubles for ads from Russia and say, oh, I think it's crazy to think they had any influence on this election. Mm. Musk is the same. Musk doesn't want it. Oh, you know, he's upset with the SEC, tried to, how dare they question him? You know what I'm saying? This is dangerous. We can't think anymore in this country. We don't have people, no, I'm serious. No, we don't, don't have people in Congress. Wow. who can make regulations that can make it work. I think we can look to the Western countries in Europe for how they are trying to limit it. But you need, you need controls on this. You need regulation. You cannot let these guys control discourse in this country or we are headed to hell. <laughs> we are there. Trump opened the gates to hell and now they're chasing us down. Wait, we gotta get it. Hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> Can you believe people watch? Imagine waking up on Sunday morning, brewing a nice cup of coffee, and then sitting down in front of the couch and watching that horse shit for an hour. No, brewing a nice cup of coffee and then pouring it on your couch. <laughs> pouring it basically on your lap. Just, he basically just said, well, the government needs to regulate what information you hear. That's what he said. Yes. You're not allowed to do it, but but we need government regulation. We but can't. Why? Again, no reasons why. Why is it the gates of hell? Because of mean tweets. Probably because of mean tweets. I can. But I would really like one of them to answer that. Like, really though, why is this so detrimental? Oh, they don't have answers. See, they go on shows no, like that. No answers. Get, yeah, they just give drive-by like statements like that to inflame the situation, and then they just go off into their obscure lives. They'll write an op-ed about it, and they'll think everybody loves them. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I- have we checked CNN's viewerships lately and like um, MSNBC? Because they were plummeting. Are they still plummeting? Well, I, I can confirm two things for you, Krista. We lasted two years longer than CNN Plus did. And, <laughs> and at the height of its subscribership, this show was getting more downloads than Christopher Wallace, who debated a 2020 presidential debate. He, I'm sorry, moderated. No, no, he, he debated. He was yeah. part of the debate. Accurate story. Yeah. So I don't want to get politi-checked. 
but yeah, we, so we were racking them in more than Chris Wallace, and uh, wow, that, yeah, that makes us feel great. Um, that's, that's great. Oh, thank you. In, in the last clip, I do want to play a little snippet from uh, Nina Jankowitz, who is going to head this disinformation governance board. She is a how far off the ground do you think this is actually going to get? It's going to get shit on mercilessly. They're already talking about after the midterm elections, zero percent funding for this, and yeah. if they're going to take it to the next level, they will not fund DHS at all. Like the entire budget for it will not get approved if they don't remove this immediately. Well, DHS employees are going to have fun working for free with, during the shutdown. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time? No. Probably won't be the last. Um, let's hear her talking about after she testified before January 6th uh, non-select committee. Studies disinformation yesterday was really tough. I kept thinking about how in October I testified before the House Intelligence Committee and I told them that disinformation was dismantling democracy. Oh. But I was challenged to provide examples of how that was happening. Right. I talked about how Gretchen Whitmer was Crazy nearly face. kidnapped because of disinformation and incitement to violence online. Really? We're going to use the Gretchen Whitmer thing? Of black voters. <laughs> how long ago was this? And I talked about how malign actors like Russia are using disinformation to okay, tear us apart and polarize our society even two. further. But yesterday's <laughs> violence in the U.S. Capital is the starkest example yet that disinformation is not just dank memes or silly TikTok videos. It actually has real life effects, not only on the functioning of our republic, but on public safety. So please take some care before you share. Shut the fuck up. Take some care before you share. So, so what were the two things that you caught? You missed one. I, I caught it though. What were the two things? Uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Gretchen Whitmer, which was the wow. Fed, the Fed napping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else was there? I don't know. My mind just went blank. January sixth, I think. Yeah. Was, well, then the the other one, she kind of just snuck in there. I don't know if you guys caught it. It was the suppression of black voters. Nationwide. Oh, right, of course. And those racist it. bridges. We're we're still waiting Wait, for the first. There was there was suppression of black voters though. Really though, was there? The the first black voter who was whose vote has been suppressed that goes to the media with that will be literally the first black voter whose vote has been suppressed. Has ever been suppressed. No one's gone to the I'm media. I'm pretty sure Zuckerberg put voter boxes in very strategic areas. Did, did you notice how they're already so throwing? So the vote wouldn't be suppressed. Yeah, they're already throwing Mark Zuckerberg under the bus because he said he's not going to donate to the midterms or the 2024 presidential election in the same context. Might as well go to prison this year. Yeah, this one. well true story but uh it's pretty funny to see how they've already disassociated themselves with them because they can't use them anymore yeah as soon as as soon as you become unuseful un yeah unuseful <laughs> you're just done and they'll they'll just let you like you're gonna get run by run over by the entire truck of the media and everything just like oh we don't need you anymore guess what you're done oh the meme of the person getting thrown out of the car yeah well, wow. we're going to keep an eye on this and, and see where it's going. I, I definitely feel like we're in a we're in a heated fight in the House. Um, and, and like I said, if it can't get out of the House, we'll never see some of our great senators get to weigh in on it. But hopefully it might uh, with the numbers we have now in the House of Representatives. And then it'll be up to the Senate to decide. But I can't see even like the, the moderately um, – Dems in there like Manchin and Cinema getting behind this in addition to some of the other ones who might be in for a little bit of a challenge in the midterm elections in the, in the gubernatorial department but uh, over the weekend I saw that Joe Biden attended the uh, White House <laughs> Correspondents Dinner what a shit show that was oh my god so Dr. Fauci wait he shit his pants again he, might, <laughs> he, he very well might as he wears well. depends now so 
There you go. No, he doesn't like it. It messes up the lines of his suit. <laughs> that was actually some... It's the pleats the pleats in the pants. There you go. It's an optical illusion. So Dr. Fauci said he wasn't going to attend this thing, but as soon as it started, there were pictures of all <laughs> of him at the pregame parties. Oh, God. With, with his arms around everybody, including a good shot with Don Lemon, where they're all just like packed into a camp. So COVID was going to be <laughs> at the dinner, but not at the pregame events. And uh, so he went and, and mingled there and probably told sure. everybody, mm, it still says fire me on Dr. Bram Paul's website. You can, do- you can donate $5, $10. Oh, my. It was bigly attended. Ugh. And there was there was a lot of red flags because... Some of the stuff that came out of there, you know, they always go and talk about the narratives that they create. And then when anybody decides to challenge those narratives, they call them every name under the sun, a racist, a Nazi, you know, mm-hmm. misogynic, xenophobic, you name it, they do it. And um, they went ahead and, and did some of those things. They poked fun at, you know, Donald Trump, former president. We're going to get into that one in a minute. They also made like a, a really bad, tasteful spin on, on the COVID stuff. And, and you guys be able to hear that as well. Let's let's jump in and hear some of Joe Biden's lowlights. Well, thanks to the 42 percent of you actually applauded. <laughs> Talking about his own poll numbers. I'm really excited to be here tonight with the only group of Americans with a lower approval rating than I have. <laughs> Talking about the press. That's hard to say after what we just saw. This is the first time the president attended this dinner in six years. Good. It's understandable. We had a horrible plague, followed by two years of COVID. (laughs) Just imagine if my predecessor came to this dinner this year, now that would really have been a real coup if that occurred. Wow, this is painful. So in that one-minute clip, he made fun of his own poll numbers, that no one trusts the press, the pandemic, and parlayed Donald Trump into it as being worse than it, and a short, inconspicuous knock at January 6th. So... Not too bad for his opening statements. That was fucking terrible. Yeah, it just uh, let's try to just make a joke about everything. Maybe it'll go away. Maybe he'll go away. Krista, what do you think about the sitting president of the United States? I'm sure you're a huge fan. Oh, I'm such a big fan. I love him so much. I think he's such a good person, and I would definitely trust him around my child. <laughs> <laughs> If I only could get one answer out of you, can can, can you answer this one question? I don't mean to put you on the spot. I think he's demented. Are the adults back in charge? Oh, adult diapers. Yeah, exactly. The Depends are back in charge. Oh, we got adults back in the White House. It feels so good. Yeah, in the wallet especially, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the amount of money I'm spending on gas. It's totally worth it. You know that speechwriter like came up with his little zingers and he was just like so excited to go to work on Monday morning. The teleprompter there was large. It was mm. on top. It was on top. It always of one is of the really tables. large, isn't it? Yeah, he continued on the same threads. Let's hear him continue to ramble on. Tonight we come here and answer a very important question in everybody's mind: Why in hell are we still doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I know they're 
I know there are questions about whether we should gather here tonight because of COVID. Well, we're here to show the country that we're getting through this pandemic. Plus, everyone had to prove they were fully vaccinated and boosted. So if you're at home watching this and you're wondering how to do that, just contact your favorite Fox News reporter. They're all here, vaccinated and boosted. All of them. Fox News, I'm, I'm really sorry your preferred candidate lost the last election. To make it up to you, I'm happy to give my chief of staff to you all so he can tell Sean Hannity what to say every day. She's bow tie. In fact, Ron Klain is here at oh, the CBS table, which hired Mick Mulvaney. Mick on CBS? I was stunned. I figured he'd end up on Masked Singer with Rudy. Amazing hire, guys. Really quite amazing. Look, I know this is a tough town. I came to office with an ambitious agenda, and I expected it to face stiff opposition in the Senate. Huh? I just hoped it would be from Republicans. <laughs> but I'm not worried about the midterms. I'm not worried about them. Not we may end up with more partisan gridlock, but I'm confident we can work it out during my remaining six years in the presidency. Oh, oh yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, when was it going to morph into... Take my wife, please. Like it was just bad. It, well, they've <laughs> what talked. The they've fuck talked was about, that? They've talked about the right demonizing COVID for so long, and and like one of his first jokes was talking about how the Fox News people who chose to go had to be vaccinated and boosted. I thought it was really in poor taste. Yeah, like why even bring that up? But it's it's the whole point of questioning the vaccine is personal choice yes and that's what gets missed and that's what's so annoying so fucking what if all of everybody that works at fox news is vaccinated they made the choice how many people left because they didn't want to get vaccinated exactly. the point is the choice the fact is the choice we want the choice was was fox firing people for not getting vaccinated was that a thing for them or no yeah there was a there was a thing there I don't know the details, or, and I don't know. I don't know, but even if they did, yeah, like oh, there's okay. a lot. Of, there's a lot of people who are bitter. Harris Faulkner talks about it on Fox News. Whenever the vaccine stuff comes up, she said she she wants congressional investigations into this stuff because it forced her to get mandated to get yeah. vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, all the people. I mean, not all the people, but a lot of people that I know that got it, they regret it. Like I yeah. wish, I wish I didn't have to do it. I wish I hadn't. Mm-hmm. My favorite are the people who say, well, I'm definitely not getting the booster now. I don't care what my work says. Yeah. Yeah, well, we saw how that worked out the first run. I have the uh, the, the data. So you're saying you're saying third time is not the charm. Right. The, the data is going to say that you're going to get it. It says here that you're going to get five, vac- t- ten vaccines, five boosters. They're trying oh, to bring God. it back. The CDC recommended for uh, planes, trains, and automobiles today. The masks? Yeah. Never going to let it go. Wait, they're bringing it back? Yeah, it was a CDC recommendation that came out today. Actually, It was a recommendation, though, so that doesn't mean it's actually coming, right? (sighs) Well, I went went to some sandwich shop that I hadn't been to in a while over in the part of town where I used to live. Okay. And as I'm walking through the door, after I'd already made my, I think I made a phone order, they have the bullshit sign on the door that says, 
you have to wear a mask if you're if you're not fully vaccinated, which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And then I go inside. And I can only assume he was a mouth breather because he had a mask on. But he was wearing one of those like Hanes underwear, like cloth masks that literally do nothing. <laughs> do nothing. And the CDC has said it does nothing. Contract bronchial pneumonia. No, but it's <laughs> like you're you have this fucking sign on your door that's so scientific. And then you're going to go against what Lord Fauci said saying that you shouldn't wear that type of mask. And I didn't want to cause a scene, but I, I almost leaned over the counter and just went, could you explain something to me? <laughs> me I'm just wondering. Data? Like, I'm already never coming here again, but... Dude, our society's gotten so fucked in the last two and a half years. We actually, because of the federal government and what's happened since Joe Biden took over, including the weaponization of the CDC via Dr. Fauci, it's to the point to where... Burger crafters, baristas, burger and, crafters? and grocery baggers are asking you for your vaccination status. Like that's any of like some 15 year old kid. What's the status of your vaccination? Somebody actually said like, what's the status of your vaccination? During the height of it, when it was mask mandates, that's what it was oh going into the store. I used to go around just wanting somebody to say something to me. Hmm. And nobody <laughs> ever did. I want to just be like, mind your fucking business, Karen. <laughs> My best. Oh, Karen, I'm not going to tell you. My favorite was when I would see. Even though Karen's a racial slur now, apparently. The other true patron at the store who would like walk past me and they would just head nod each other. It's the only masked (laughs) people in there. (laughs) I'm about to spend $400 on inflated groceries. You're going to tell me I have to wear a mask? Yeah, the best is if there's like just some like total like 5150 crazy person like cruising around the store and like Mm -hmm. they're like, you need to wear your mask. I'm like, yeah, as soon as that guy puts one on. Oh, there is one. By my house, he goes to the Walmart. He's like a six foot three black guy. He's got like cotton candy braids and wears makeup and overalls Ooh, and has like a, has like, like he, he wears. Color? I'm not done. Not during Easter season, but all times he wears like a headband that has bunny ears on it. Oh, and huge over the and he just goes in the store and anytime anybody gets near him, he like clears the entire shelf of like items. No one bothers him. Never wore a mask. He was behind me in line one time. He just knocks everything off the shelves. Just goes crazy. I would follow him around the entire time I was in there. So that's all we have to do is act like we need to be like have a fifty one fifty. I never saw the, don't people, get bothered. the people who were shitting and pissing everywhere in public wearing masks during the pandemic either. No, oh no, no, no never. one bothered them. No, I've got. They didn't. Go ahead. Oh, they weren't. They weren't like dead on the sidewalk either. Which is what the science told us should have happened. Well, not from yeah. not wearing a mask, maybe from overdosing. But well, there you go. Well, now it's fentanyl season. About to get into mm-hmm. the summer months. Oh, good. Isn't it always fentanyl season? Apparently so, with the death rates in this country right now. I've got one more from uh Yeah, but now the fentanyl's like, you know, really aged to perfection. Yeah. We have car fentanyl now. Yeah, that's what I'm Oh, saying. the old elephant version. Yeah, that that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Not the that's not fentanyl you take in your car. That's actually like a different mm-hmm. it's like ten thousand times stronger or some shit. Perfect. So instead of a rice, it's a grain of salt then, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Last Joe Biden clip. Let's hear it. Ugh. About the midterms, I'm Man. not worried about them. We may end up with more partisan gridlock, but I'm confident we can work it out during my remaining six years in the presidency. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and folks, I'm not really here to roast the GOP. That's not my style. Besides, there's not. nothing I can say about the GOP that Kevin McCarthy hasn't already put on tape. <laughs> You know, fact check true. Yeah. At the same, 
At the same time, a lot of people say the Republican Party is too extreme, too divisive, too controlled by one person. They say that's not your father's Republican Party. Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. Today's Republicans say, tear down Mickey Mouse's house. And pretty soon they'll be storming Cinderella's castle, you can be sure of it. But Republicans <laughs> seem to support one fellow, some guy named Brandon. He's having a really good year, and I'm kind of happy for him. Like, the people that are sitting in the audience hysterically laughing at this stuff. Like, I want to know who, I want to pan of the audience. I need to find clips to see, like, who's like, what? And who's actually laughing? Oh, you want the you want the reactions to uh, I want Rick, reactions. Ricky, like Ricky Gervais at the Oscars? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. Tom Don't Hanks the reaction going, clips. I'll be completely honest probably with you. Isn't any during those clips? One person they pan to in the crowd out of all of those times that they were locked in on him. It was about four minutes total of audio when he talked about like the Fox News vaccination thing. They panned right to like Peter Ducey and they kept the camera on him for about 20 seconds and he sat there like super awkwardly like he like gave like a wave and was just like he looked really aggravated oh he but gave he gave doesn't a... mean that they don't have fake vaccine cards right i can see peter Deuce, <laughs> peter Deucey being a gangster like that yeah like once everything's over it's like yeah guess what fuck y'all mm-hmm. guess what i just shot myself like it just went right right on the side of my arm oh it happens to the best of us. Maybe that's why nothing's bad or is happening to these people that are like the little weenies because like, the needle actually went through their arm and it squirted out the back. You ever see yeah. like those needles where they like push it down and the needle goes in like the movie theater needles? Yeah. Like, I've seen so many different like mm-hmm. some of the videos are just awkwardly like you could tell they're like legitimately fake. Yeah. The cap's still on it or whatever. Those are my favorite. Yeah. Those are so good. And you know, when we had Dr. Zelenko on uh, a few months ago, he did talk about some specific batches that were identified actually by the CDC as bad batches. And that's where they saw a lot of the initial like deaths and like burns all over their body and stuff like that. When, you know, there's just been so many problems and I think the opportunity to not make it a choice and, and and such craziness with the mandates is what had the whole narrative spin out of control. You know, we've had Dr. Peter Navarro on the show who worked directly on the COVID task force and with, with uh, project warp speed. And he said, the COVID vaccine was not for the American public. It wasn't for children. It was for people who were like ridiculously medically inclined. And it was designed as a leaky vaccine to where like when people got them in old folks homes, if there were people that couldn't get them right away, the other old people would like leak it onto them and give them some form of relative protection. But that's where it was supposed to start and end. And then over the course of like different phases, it was supposed to be rolled out as like a choice. Like if, Hey, if you want something that's like a flu shot, this is going to be made available down the road. And then when this administration took over, they just fucking put the foot on the gas and never took it off. And look where we're at now, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have died because of it. Even more have lost their jobs and livelihoods because of it. And it's just not the way it was supposed to be. Like when, when you go back and look at this in history, in the annals of time, the annals of time, This is going to, I mean, I, I said this a couple episodes ago, the biggest set of clown shoes ever. And it's going to be the biggest embarrassment. This whole administration, everything that's happened to the country, like if there's anything left after this is over, it's just going to be 
they're going to look back and just be like, yeah, this is uh, probably the worst it's ever been. Not mostly peaceful. No. <laughs> Anything but mostly. Krista knows about mostly peaceful because she lives in, in Portland. Yeah, mostly peaceful. Okay. Mostly peaceful protests. How, like- how close are you to the uh, mostly peaceful uh, ground zero? So um, when that was going on, I lived like 10 blocks away and I could hear the flashbangs from my apartment. Um, And then we took off and left for a little while. I took my son on like a cross country road trip. We went for like three months. Uh, And then when we got back, we moved. But (laughs) the area I moved to is a lot cleaner, but it's uh, three blocks away from the ice building that they like to set on fire sometimes. So. Um, Antifa gathers right down below my apartment in in the park when they get together and go protest at ICE. And then they scream ACAB while they walk three blocks. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm looking out your windows right now. looks like you have a pretty nice vantage point. I would have a water balloon launcher. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm surprised. If I could do that without them being able to pinpoint my apartment, I would definitely do that. Yeah, the threat of getting burned alive in your own apartment is probably yeah. not as much fun as hitting them with. Well, that's a nice thing. If I didn't have a son, I wouldn't care if I got doxxed. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to dox me? I'm gonna get you back even worse, you stupid fuck. But I mean, I don't need that with, with my child yeah, in the house. True. No, absolutely not. And, and it's something that a lot of people take into to context when they go out and, and put themselves on the line as much as, you know, some do. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. You know, we, we were talking about the crime stuff a little bit uh, earlier in the show. We played portions of the Trump rally from uh, Nebraska last weekend, and then we're really going to hit it on the head. On the 13th of uh, May, we've got former New York Police Commissioner Bernie Carey coming on, and we're going to break down everything from the southern border to the crime wave that's engulfed this country. But uh, one thing we could be sure of are the spiraling poll numbers of Joe Biden. Don't worry, he's not worried about the midterm elections. He's pretty sure that he's going to be there for six more years. Maybe he dies and like they bury him under the White House. Like you, like there's no way you actually think that. I mean, he, like he doesn't live in the real world. Obviously, is he a he, real he, person? No, no. He wakes up and everybody tells him. They great remind job. him. They great remind job. him that he's doing a great job. And I mean, they probably have to remind him that he's president. Mm-hmm. Who? I'm Scranton Joe. <laughs> no, you're Mr. President. He ever freaks out when the Secret Service like walks in his room and he wakes up in the morning. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. That's really funny. Just like his poll numbers. Let's hear CNN talk about it. How steep of a decline are we talking about here? I mean, it is a big, big, big decline. I mean, if you look, this is Gallup polling, approve of President Joe Biden's job as president. Now look at this. Just 38 percent of 18 to 29 year olds, 67 percent of black adults. Look back to where we were last year, January to June of 2021. It was 61 percent, 18 to 29 year olds. Black adults was 87%. Look at the change. Down 23 points among adults 18 to 29. Down 20 points among black adults. Those are huge drops for young. You know, they won't even inclu- include Latinos in there. Krista, do you, do you really believe that 67% of black voters still support Joe Biden and the Democrat Party in this economy? No. No. No way. No, I don't. I don't. And I mean, if they do, they just don't know what's going on. Yeah, but it's impossible for people to ignore now. It's like when it's costing you, what, upwards of six dollars a gallon. Yeah, and 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 like you, you can't just be like, everything's everything. Wait, what? What about groceries? They're double the price. Yeah. So you know the California inflation rate minus energy is at eight point nine percent. It's closer to twenty when you factor in fuel. Yeah, and then the 
the energy bullshit that's happened recently locally, like my electric bill is retardedly expensive now. Not running AC or heat too much either, right? Got the hot tub going right now, but <laughs> first world problems, right? All in all, a huge, big week in, in, in the news. There's a lot of stuff that's continuing to spin and develop. You know, we talk about this is the busiest timeline in the history of all timelines of the multiverse we're currently traveling in, but it just seems like they continue to add stuff to it, like the disinformation governance board, et cetera. So, and then we had SCOTUS breaking overnight with the possible uh, repeal of Roe v. Wade. Lots of interesting stuff to see moving forward. And uh, as we do move forward, Krista, we're going to ask that you come back on the show at some point in the future. We loved having you today. And we'd like to, do, uh, you know, direct all the Steak for Breakfast listening audience to follow your show, which is Drunk Politics, and, and check out Drunk Republic. Why don't you tell everybody where we could find you, and we'll live link it in the show description. Um, You can find me at drunkrepublic.co. Or on Instagram at Drunk Republic. Or you can find us on all the streaming platforms for podcasts, um, the Drunk Politics Podcast. We'll have to catch a couple more episodes with you and your sister. And maybe we'll get together yeah, with awesome. both of y'all next time we uh Yes, next time to, Chloe needs to be there too. For sure. is a new great friend of the show. This is the uh, CEO and co-host of Drunk Politics, Krista Hilton. Thanks for joining us today on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you so much for having me. Not a bad way to start the week. Great guest host. Big news blocks. Two America First interviews. I think we did it upright. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to listen to the other 130 Steak for Breakfast podcast shows, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podaddict, Podbean, Google Podcast, FM Player, and iHeartRadio. Check us out on the Roku Player, too via the Patriot Podcast Network app. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show credits. Go to our amazing guest today. We had Miss Luna Lopez looking to represent Florida 5. Jim Bognett is going to be at the Trump rally on Friday looking to represent Pennsylvania 8. After the midterm elections this year, in addition to our guest host, Krista Hilton, of Drunk Politics, and some of our internet friends, Cagro88, The Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio himself, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, John Backman of Newsmax, Christina Bob of Save America, and Tom Pappert, the editor-in-chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to get out there and support our sponsors, um, all the partners of Steak for Breakfast. You make their small businesses great again when you throw a little cash all out of them. My pillow, as previously mentioned, Big, big BOGO sale going on right now. Buy one, get one free. My pillows, my slippers, he's a dream, everything, and more. Support Mike Lindell. Support the apparatus that is the MyPillow family. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. Odyssey. I love these headphones. They are the greatest I've ever worn in my life. And you can find them and more. Everything from in-studio recording equipment to pod equipment and console-specific earbuds. Odyssey.com is the website. Check them out on Facebook. Check them out on Instagram. You definitely get what you pay for when you go with Odyssey, the headphone department. Stay ready to your holsters. If you want a picture of uh, Elizabeth Warren crying outside of the Supreme Court today about how Roe v. Wade is going away, they'll put it on a concealed carry Kydex holter. And they will uh, get it out faster than ever before. Stay Ready Gear holsters. StayReadyGear.com is the website. 
find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat. You definitely can't when you buy man rubs. So when you do that, you uh, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, slow cook it. A little barbecue sauce on it. Maybe hit the broiler for five minutes for that crisp. Then you pull it. Put it in a sweet roll and throw it in your mouth. Num, num, num. A sweet roll. Mm. (laughs) Anyways, manrebs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a simple equation to take care of all your gunular needs. Gunular. There you go. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. Westcoastsurvivalarms.com is where you can find them online. Also on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone. 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You'll love all the gear they've got there. You'll love their IG a little bit more. Mediocremedic.com is the website. And Dumpbox, home of the zero fucks duck. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. You can find him at Dumpbox US on Instagram and Facebook as well. Upcoming shows may turn out to be pretty uh, America First loaded for all of our listeners here. You'll be very surprised to hear all of the guests we've got coming in. And there are a lot of them. Former Trump administration official Paige Wiley, current host of This Is Your Country podcast, she'll be joining us for an interview this Friday. Missouri senatorial candidate, one of our great friends. He's up there at the Joe Kent level. Mr. Eric Greitens is coming back for a campaign update as well. In addition to that, we'll have Andrew McCarthy. He'll be in with us to do a little bit of the news. Next Tuesday, two former Trump administration officials, Boris Epstein, and George Papadopoulos, they'll both be joining us on the show, and it's going to be a great one. Uh, next Friday, even better, we're going to sit down with our great friend, Mr. Cash Patel. We're going to have constitutional attorney and Newsmax contributor, Amir Benno, in a reschedule. we got a lot of questions to ask him. In addition to that, just confirmed this morning, former New York police commissioner, and definitely everybody's favorite top cop, Bernie Carrick will be joining us. On the 20th of May, we're going to circle back with Christina Bob, and I think Chris or, uh, Vish Burr is going to be with us as well. And then looking forward down the road a piece, all the way up to June 10th, we've finalized with America's favorite gubernatorial candidate nationwide. Miss Carrie Lake will be joining us for uh, the fourth time on Steak for Breakfast. Friends of the Week, I'm really going to have to say this whole SCOTUS thing that broke overnight was like a Pandora's box for our meme makers, and some of them absolutely killed it. Mostly peaceful memes, Hugh White memes, Edward Russell memes, grand old memes. You guys have absolutely taken it to the next level with some of these. We loved them. We shared them all. In addition to that, let's go up. Right Wing Savages, Puberto's 2.0, Snack Dickelson. We got Dank Elvis, Republican Actual 2.0, Madam America's back on Instagram, and Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, thanks to remember between now and next show... Please don't forget them. Do your own research. Very important. Start a podcast. Not a lot of edits today. No, it's easy. No, it's happy. Very easy. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 131 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back on Friday with episode 132 where we'll have Paige Wiley, Andrew McCarthy, and Eric Greitens all joining us. On behalf of the pod crew, hopefully we'll have Antoinette joining us as well. I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Take care.
I told the globalists a long time ago, a minute. You want to fight, you better believe you've got one. And there are people all over this country engaging in the information war. And we're going to smash your system. We're going to return the republic. We'll never be perfect, but my God, we're not going to keep babies alive and harvest their organs. We're not going to sell their parts for women's cosmetics. We're not going to have Pepsi with baby flavoring in it. I mean, what the hell have we become? Excuse me, but I'm tired of it.